This tape is going to be about the tongue, the power of speaking the Word of God. I now realize that so many people are like I was most of my life, and they had no knowledge of the power of the Word of God. So I'm going to do my best to go through this teaching, and I'm going to try my best to teach you what God's mighty Word says about what we can do with the tongue and the power that we have in our tongue. Now, to start off with, I want to quote a scripture to you that comes in Mark chapter 1, verse 27. The Word of God says that Jesus spoke with authority. For the Word of God says, With authority commandeth he even the evil spirits, and they do obey him. Now, our Jesus had authority in his words. And he still does. Why do you think Jesus spoke to the demons? Why did he command demons to come out? Because it does not matter what you feel in your heart or what your intentions are or what you think you're going to do for God someday unless you release the power of the word of God that's in you and trigger it through your words. It will not create and any power in your life. You must speak the words of God. Now then, let's think a little bit about why God speaks to man. Because the Word of God says faith comes by hearing. God doesn't just talk to hear himself talk. He talks to move men to action. We have learned to come to church and hear a sermon. Many in the church are blind and starving to death spiritually because all they've been doing is hearing and hearing and hearing. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're not supposed to be just a hearer of the word only. It will not produce anything in your life. You must be a hearer and then a doer of the word. Now then, if you want to see God do some mighty things in your life, you're going to have to become a doer of what you hear. Now, hearing the Word of God will bring forth faith, and then you must begin to speak out of your mouth the Word of God. In the beginning, God made man, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, that's written for you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Now, ever since that time... Man has been able to express their thoughts, their feelings, their nature, their heart, and their visions and their plans through the mighty spoken words, your tongue. Now, the words that you speak, they are absolutely alive, and there is not anybody on the earth that cannot speak words unless something has been, he's been physically impaired somehow. But the words that you speak are going to determine where you live. You're either going to choose life or you're going to choose death. Now, the Word of God clearly says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, that's found for you in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, if death and life is in the power of the tongue... And we know it is because it's written in God's Word. Then you and I need to learn how to talk. 
Whenever words are sent by God, they pack power. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, he said that in John six sixty three. Now, if Jesus said in his word in Psalms 107, verse 20, that he sent forth his word and healed them, then if he sent his word and healed us, then how do we receive our healing? We must learn from God's word what the word of God says, and that's how faith comes. And as you read the word of God and the words of God, your faith will increase and you will begin to see what you can do through speaking words. Now, let me say this. If you want to see God do something, you must take his word and you must believe it first. And then after you believe it, then you will see it come to pass. You must believe that it's going to happen before you see it. Now, this is your test of faith. In other words, you must believe that you have something before you see it. And the way you will see it come to pass is when you begin to speak it in faith. If I begin to speak words that declare or publish or proclaim what I don't yet see in the natural, that's where your test of faith is. Now then, if you want to be victorious in God, you must start being like God. You don't hope that there will be light when you speak. Or let's put it this way, God didn't hope that there would be light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now then, God made you and me in His image. God spoke it, and it came to pass. It happened. Now then, God said to you and me, Since you're made in my image and in my likeness, believe my report. Have you ever thought about this? God's report is usually set in the future. God's report is about a victory you have not yet won. God's report is about a heaven you've never visited. God's report is about a prosperity that exceeds your present circumstances. God's report is always far better than anything you have ever dreamed of. Now, when you believe God's report, when you believe it, it will absolutely come to pass. Now, then you will begin to start talking about this report. You'll start telling people with your mouth or you'll start declaring that I have these mighty things. Now, if you're willing to declare from your mouth that you have these things and you begin to quote God's promises, these things will become a reality to you. You must speak with your tongue the mighty promises from God, and when you do, you will begin to see great and mighty things happen. Now then, God's word that is conceived in your heart and then it's formed or spoken by your tongue and then spoken out of your own mouth, that will become a spiritual force releasing the absolute ability of God within you. Now then, until you get to the point where you can start declaring what the Word of God says, you will see very few things happen. That's why I learned to start saying years ago, The Lord is my strength. The Lord says nothing is impossible with me. 
the Word of God, or the Lord says, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The Lord says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The Lord says in Mark 9, nothing shall be impossible with me. Now, I'm going to tell you that when you get a hold of this fact that God's mighty word, whenever it is conceived in your heart and then it's formed by your tongue and spoken out of your mouth, it will become a magnificent, awesome, powerful force that will release the ability of God which is in you. Now, this is the mystery that was hidden before the foundations of the world in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, also in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, All the secrets of the universe are hidden in Christ. Now, if all the secrets of the universe are hidden in Christ and Christ is in you, all you've got to do is learn how to talk. And when you learn how to talk and begin to speak God's mighty word, it will literally bring mighty miracles into existence for you. Now, the spoken word of God is absolutely a creative power in your mouth that is spoken by your tongue. And the spirit world is absolutely controlled by the word of God. Now, the natural world is to be controlled by man speaking God's words. Now then, a lot of times when we pray, we are deceived or beat up by our own mouth because we have spoken the wrong things and we cannot receive from God. Every one of us is guilty of this. We have used our tongue to form the very words that defeat us. We have even prayed contrary to the word of God. We have prayed defeat and received it. We have prayed the problem and it became greater. We have even prayed all kinds of wrong things. And these things have absolutely come to pass. Now, Mark eleven twenty four makes an awesome statement. I want you to think about this. In Mark eleven twenty four, the Word of God says, What things soever you desire... When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now then, this great truth about spiritual law, in fact, God's Word is spiritual law, and it functions just as sure as any natural law. Now, let me give you a quick little story here, right here, about how this law works. Now, my granddaughter had her flapper valve in the back of her throat damaged in a car wreck a a few years ago when she was three years old. She could not eat because anything that would go into her mouth would go into her lungs, and the doctor said it would kill her. Now, I spoke the Word of God out of my mouth, and I claimed that very promise right there in Mark 11, 24, which says, What things soever you desire when you pray Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, I use that very verse. I claim the promises of God, and I ask the Father in the name of Jesus to fix that little flapper valve, and then I begin to tell everybody it's fixed. Well, I didn't act on it, though. I'm speaking it, but you must speak and act on God's Word. So, every two months, we took her back to the doctor, and the flapper valve would not work. 
I finally came back. I went before the Lord. I said, Lord, where have I sinned? What have I done wrong? And I took that verse, Mark eleven twenty four, and this is what that says. What things soever you desire. Well, I desired the flapper valve to work in my granddaughter's throat. It says when you pray, not next week, not tomorrow, not the, uh, a year from now, but when you pray, believe you have received, and then the Word of God promises, and it shall be yours. So, I repented of my sins. I asked the Father in the name of Jesus to fix the flapper valve, and then I thanked him for doing it, and then I walked over to her house, and I told her daddy, I said, Toby, God's waiting on you and me. I said, now then, I have prayed, and I've asked the Lord, according to Mark eleven twenty four to fix the valve, and I thanked him for it, so the valve works. He said, but Thurman, the doctor said two weeks ago it didn't work. I said, two weeks ago it didn't work. This morning it didn't work. But right now it does work because the Word says it does. Now, I'm saying what God's Word says with my tongue, and my tongue is bringing forth a creative force that's going to set mighty things in motion. So as I'm speaking out of my mouth, the creative force of God's mighty Word, I told my son-in-law to feed her. We must act on the Word. Well, he didn't want to, but he did. He gave her a bowl of applesauce and a little bottle of juice, and she sat there and ate and drank that little bowl of applesauce and drank that bottle of juice, and her flapper valve worked. And we fed her normal every day for the next six weeks. Then we took her to the doctor for a checkup at the 12th month, and the doctor confirmed the valve was working. He never dreamed it would work. But by speaking... The creative force of God's mighty word out of my mouth, the word of God, it brought forth creative force and made that little flapper valve in the back of her throat work. Now, the spirit world is controlled by the word of God. And the natural world is to be controlled by man speaking God's word. And so that's what I did with my tongue. I took my tongue and I spoke these words and it brought the creative power of God into being and it fixed that little valve in my granddaughter's throat. Another thing that we do is we pray wrong. Now, you will pray to Jesus or you will pray to Mary. You'll pray all kinds of ways and I'm going to tell you that words are very, very important. Now, when you come before the judicial system in heaven, the Lord is expecting you to do everything exactly the way His Word says it. And if you don't, the devil will come against you and accuse you, and you will not get your answer because you must do it exactly God's way. Now then, words are very important. You must begin now to become a word-conscious person. Words are like little seeds, and these seeds will grow up, and they will produce a great crop, and they will produce after their kind, just like any other seed. If you plant a grain of wheat, it will not produce a stalk of corn. And the Lord clearly says in Matthew 12:35. 
that a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Now then, to pray and to pray right, you must take the word of God and pray according to the word with your tongue. Now then, I want to quote a scripture to you in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. And this is the mighty promise that I used to bring a little girl off of her deathbed with her head busted open in two crushed pelvics. Now, I use this verse right here. In John 16:23 and 24, the Word of God says, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Now, this is Jesus talking. He says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto, or before now, have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now then, you need to realize that when you pray, prayer is your legal right to use faith-filled words to bring God on the scene in your behalf. Now then, if you do not go before the Lord and do your praying exactly as God has said in His Word, He will not come upon the seed. On the scene. Now then, if you will pray to the Father in the name of Jesus and you will call the Lord into remembrance of these promises, just like He told you to do, in fact, He said, Call me into remembrance in Isaiah 43:25. So if you go and call the Lord into remembrance of these great and awesome promises and you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and you do it in total faith, you will get to see God do some awesome things. Now then, it is the Word abiding in you that causes faith to be present in your words. Now then, if you don't have the Word of God hidden in your heart, you will not be able to call it forth, and you will not be able to see God do great and mighty things. Now, the Word of God declares, If you abide in me... Now, this is in John 15:7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Now, notice, when you read this, this glorifies the Lord. It glorifies the Lord when your prayers are answered. So, if you will learn how to speak, I'm telling you that your joy will be full. And you can see the Lord do great and mighty things. Your joy can be full if the word of Mark 11:24 abides in you. When you pray, believe you have received. Now then, let me make this statement. Faith or the Word of God, faith is knowing and having the Word of God hidden in your heart. Now, faith will make prayer work. In other words, the Word of God hidden in your heart as it's spoken as a creative force out of your mouth will make prayer work. Now, prayer won't work without the Word of God or faith. 
Faith will work without prayer. But prayer is one of the means of releasing faith. So if we will absolutely do what the Word of God says and release our faith when we pray, we will get to see God do great and mighty things and His power will come alive in mind in your lives when we pray. But always remember that when you pray, you must have faith. People said, it's not that important that I have faith. It only, it's only important if you want to see God answer your prayer. Now, faith, which is the Word of God, will make prayer work. But prayer will not work without the Word of God or faith. It will not work. That's why I always use God's Word to get my prayers answered. Now, God's Word is just as powerful today as it was when Jesus Himself spoke it. Not one bit of power is missing from God's mighty Word. Now, these mighty, creative power, those words that are, that are faith-spoken, faith-filled words that are in the Word of God, these words are just as powerful as they ever were, and they will still bring forth the same great and awesome things as you speak God's mighty word out of your mouth today. Those faith-filled words that you speak, believing they will bring forth great and awesome answers to your prayers. Now, if God's word abides in you today, if the word abides in you, and the Word has become a part of you, then when you speak the Word of God out of your mouth, it will bring forth great and awesome power or answers to your prayer. When you start talking about the power of words, there's something you have to realize, that since we were made in the image of God and put on this earth and given dominion and power over this earth, we were supposed to rule over the earth with spoken words, God's mighty word, and he had given us all dominion and all power. But along came the snake in the garden, the serpent, and he deceived the woman. And then she told her husband, and they fell, and all that power and dominion, when that allegiance was transferred that allegiance to God was transferred to the God of this world, and their dominion was transferred to Satan, which became the prince of the power of the air and the God of this world. Now then, we lost that power, but praise God, Jesus got that power back for us because he came, and that authority over Satan, Jesus got that authority back by being born of a virgin and then dying on the cross without having a sin. He was born of that virgin, and the virgin conceived because she learned how to talk. Then Mary said, unto, whenever the angel came to her and told her that she was going to conceive and bear a child, Mary said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Well, she wasn't disagreeing with God. She was just asking the question, how? So, at this point, the mighty angel of God told her 
that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And in verse 38, Mary said, Be it done unto me according to thy word. Now you see, she agreed with the words of God, and she established that fact, and it came into being that Jesus was sent into her womb as a little tiny seed, and he came out and became the first man that had walked on this earth since Adam that had no sin in him. Now, God said in his word that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You'll notice here the word of God is called seed. Now then, the word of God, once it gets implanted in your spirit, it causes you to become a new creation that never existed before. In other words, you were born again by the Spirit of God, of the living God. Now then, this new birth or this rebirth of our spirit took place because the Word of God became real in your spirit. And it caused you to act upon the Word and you were born again. And you become a new creature. Now, let's put it this way. You were once a sinner, but now you're born again. Now then, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, and you're fully able to stand in the presence of the Father which is in heaven. Now you're able to stand there. In fact, he tells you to come boldly into his throne of grace in Hebrews 4.16. So you need to learn to say, Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, without fear, without condemnation, because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not a poor, old, unworthy sinner. Now, I used to be an old, poor, unworthy sinner. I used to be lost, but not anymore, Lord. I am not lost anymore. I am a joint heir with your Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that once you get these words planted in your spirit or in your heart, you will become a new creature or a new creation because the Word of God clearly declares it. Now, then, I want you to see here that the virgin, when she conceived to bear a child, she said, Be it done unto me according to your word. And then look what the Word of God says. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now the Word was in the beginning with God, and the Word came unto Mary and said, and whenever it said it and she received it, it became a done deal. Now then, whenever Adam sinned in the garden, Adam lost all of his power and a dominion and authority and lost the ability of God to work through men. But when Jesus Christ came, praise the Lord, he got that authority back for us, and he delegated it back to men, to the believer in Christ. Now then, as Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven, this was a statement he made, and I do not understand for the life of me how it took me so many years to get a hold of this magnificent statement. But I read it, but it had never become a revelation to me. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the Word of God declares, 
Jesus is speaking. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He had all power, not a little, all. Now then, if all power was given to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he turned to the believers and made this declaration, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, whatever you do, don't be an unbelieving believer. Be a believing believer. Because this is a statement that Jesus said, In my name shall you cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, that's in Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. But one of the great truths and secrets I've learned right here is before you lay hands on someone and before you cast out a demon, you first must make sure that person is a person that has all their sins confessed. Let me explain something to you right here. Don't you ever cast a demon out of a lost person. Because if you attempt to cast a demon out of a lost person, and that demon may very well leave. But if that demon leaves that lost person, and you don't lead them to Christ, and you don't tell them about the power of God, and you don't fill them with the Word of God, that demon, after you leave, will come back, and he will not only come back by himself, but he'll come back like Matthew 12, 47 says, and he will bring seven more friends with him, more wicked than himself, and the second state of that person will be worse than the first. And the second part of this is, don't cast a demon out a believer until their sins are confessed. Now, the reason that demon got in that person is because of sin, some kind of sin. Now, they either was living in uh, immorality with someone, or they were living in unbelief, or they were sinning because of their words, but there was some kind of sin that gave the devil legal right for the demon to come in that believer. Now, I've heard lots of people say a Christian can't have a demon. That is the furthest thing from the truth of anything I've ever heard in my life. Yes, anybody can have a demon. A demon can come into you, anybody, believer or non-believer, anytime you sin. When you transgress God's law, the devil can come into you. So whatever you do, don't sin. The Word of God clearly says in 1 John 5:18 that the true sons of God do not sin. Now then, that will make you think. If you are a child of God, you are not supposed to sin. He said they keep themselves from evil, and the evil one cannot touch you. So that's a confirmed statement right there in the Word of God that if you do not sin, Satan cannot touch you. So you must learn how to talk, because with your words, it is so easy to sin with your words. Now then, if you are walking holy before God, and you're giving no place to the devil, then you have power to cast out demons. But don't be trying to cast out demons if you have some kind of sin or unbelief in your life. Because if you do, the same thing will happen to you. It happened to the seven sons of Sceva when they took their words over there in the book of Acts, and they said, We command you to come out of him in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. That demon spoke out of that man's mouth and said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know about. But they said, Who are you? And that demon 
And that man beat up seven men and stripped them of all their clothes and left them bleeding and run off naked. So whatever you do, make sure you're walking holy before God. If you're walking holy before God, then truly these signs shall follow them that believe. The ones that believe that are walking holy before God can cast out demons when they get the person's sins confessed. That's a secret I didn't know for many years. It took me a long time. I used to fight with demons, and they'd scream at me and kick at me and cuss me, spit on me and everything else. And sometimes it would take hours to get a person that had a demon in them free. Until one day, I learned that they're there by legal right. They are sent by God. So you can't get them out because the curse of God, as long as the curse remains a sin, as long as the sin remains, the curse remains, and that demon has legal right, and you cannot get him out. But once the sin is confessed, then there is no problem. The legal right of the devil is removed, and you can kick him out, and he will go. Now, a lot of people, when they come to God, they'll come to God, and I've been in a many a prayer meeting where a born-again man, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, a man will make a statement like this, Lord, I am just unworthy. I'm just an unworthy sinner. Well, let me tell you, you're going to have to stop saying those things with your mouth because if you don't quit praying like that, Lord, I'm unworthy, I'm telling you, when you see yourself as an unworthy sinner, when Jesus has cleaned you up and made you the righteousness of God in Christ, that is just like spitting in the face of the king. And I'm going to tell you, he's not going to hear your prayer. The enemy, absolutely Satan, he knows that there's power in your words. That is why he tries so hard to get you to confess doubt, fear, and unbelief. Because when you confess that you are unworthy, after you know that you're a born-again Christian... This is so contrary to what the Word of God says. Now, you were unworthy, but that old man was supposed to have died. Whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you become a new creature in Christ, and you're supposed to have died to sin, and now you're supposed to be living to righteousness. And if you have committed a sin since you became a born-again Christian, you need to confess that sin immediately. And after you've confessed that sin... You need to command the demons that went with him to leave you so he won't manifest in your flesh at a later time and cause a problem for you. But you must get away from unbelief, and you must stop speaking words of doubt and unbelief if you want to see God do mighty things in your life. To become a powerful son or daughter of the king, you must learn how to talk. Now then, as we continue on about learning how to talk, I want to show you one of the examples that Jesus used with these words of his that were filled with faith. I want to show you that as the disciples come to him in Mark 11, they, as, as Jesus was entering, in fact, I'm just going to read some verses here you in Mark 11. It says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around, about upon all things, uh, and now the evening was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came 
if happily he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, Now listen to what he said. He is fixing to use faith-filled words to cause a tremendous something to happen to this tree. Now then he said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now then, Jesus had gone to the fig tree to get some figs and found none. And he said, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And he just walked off. Now then, whenever they came back by there the next day, Peter asked him. He called his attention to the fig tree. And he says, Master, the fig tree has withered. The leaves are withered. That tree has died. He said, how did you do that? He said, the fig tree that you cursed. Now, wait a minute. The fig tree that you cursed? Jesus didn't set a curse to that tree, you don't think, but he did. He cursed that fig tree. In other words, what did he do? He spoke negative to that fig tree. And by speaking negative to that tree, that tree absolutely died. You see what happens when we speak negative to something. Now, Jesus is giving us a perfect example here of what happens when we speak negative to something. He spoke negative to a tree, and it was called a curse by Peter. And that curse, or that negative speaking, caused that tree to die before their very eyes. Now, let me tell you. Many of us have spoken curses over our own self. We speak things that are negative. I hear people do it all the time. I hear people saying, oh, I'm just losing my mind. I just can't do anything right. I mean, if I had any luck, it would be bad. It's amazing the negative things that comes out of people's mouth. I can't remember anything anymore. I guess I'm losing my mind. Let me tell you. You are speaking words out of your mouth that are words that truly are causing devastating things to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to lose your hair or your teeth's not going to fall out if you say these negative things once or twice. But the thing about it is, people keep speaking these things. I mean, I hear people say, well, I guess I'll lose all my hair by the time I'm 35. And if they say it over and over and over, their hair starts falling out. If they say, I guess I'll have arthritis by the time I'm 50, you're speaking a curse over yourself and you're, you're speaking the words of the devil and not the words of God. Now, the God kind of faith will bring forth great and awesome things. I want you to notice now that Jesus knew there was power in his words. When he spoke to the fig tree, it withered and died. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus told them when they asked him how he did this. In verse Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, If you have faith in God, or the God kind of faith, there was, he says, you and I need to know how this faith works. If you have faith in your heart, and it is a God kind of faith, in other words, God has, numbers in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And it's the God kind of faith. 
In other words, that faith that you have here, the God kind of faith, that measure, it is the same measure everybody got when they were born again. The problem is most people have never developed or changed that faith. And the way you do that is studying the Word of God. Because faith, according to Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now then, if you will not take God's Word, and you will not study it, and you will not speak the Word of God out loud in faith, you will never develop great faith. The first thing you should do every morning when you get up, you should start speaking God's Word. You should start saying, like uh, Luke one thirty-seven, all things are possible with God. And since God is in me, nothing's impossible with me. Start speaking like Paul did in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, because Christ in me the hope of glory. And any time you need something, say all the secrets of the universe are hidden in Christ. He's in me, according to Colossians 2.3. And he said in the uh, Psalms 91, Call unto the Lord, and he will answer you. So when you call unto the Lord and ask Him for something, always thank Him out loud first, and then He will answer you, and great and mighty things will happen. Because if faith comes by hearing, then you're going to have to get this report in you. You're going to have to speak these mighty words of God, and you're going to have to speak them over and over and over and over. And as you speak them, Great and mighty things will begin to happen, but you must start speaking God's word out of your mouth, which is formed in your spirit, as you have gotten the word of God in you, and then they will bring great and mighty, mighty things to pass, as you speak these faith-filled words out of your mouth. Whatever you do, don't speak negative words. They will bring forth sickness and disease and death. You will be agreeing with the devil. And he will put sickness and disease upon you, and he won't miss a chance. So don't speak negative words and let the devil put sickness and disease upon you. Now, as we go on here from Mark eleven twenty-two, I want us to go to verse 23. I want you to see what the Lord said you can do with words. Now, I realize this is so powerful. For verily I say unto you, that's talking to you and me, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and the mountain can be anything, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and you shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you saith shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you saith. Now that's in Mark eleven twenty three. Now Jesus didn't say just the things you say to the mountain. He said those things which you saith. That means everything you say. You must watch what you say. You have to believe that those things that you say, everything you say, will come to pass. So you can see the importance of words here. As you speak the Word of God, those things that you say will come to pass. You will have it. He didn't say he had it then, but he said you will have it. So that's why it's important that you keep on saying the right thing. Now, as you keep on saying whatever you want and you believe it, the Bible says if you will hold fast to your sayings, 
you will have these great and mighty things. So, this is negative things or positive things, whatever you say. So, if you go around constantly saying, I can't do something, then you will wind up not being to do anything, able to do anything. So, start every day praising the Lord, speaking faith-filled words, calling God into remembrance of His great and mighty and awesome promises. And as you do, you will see the Lord do great and mighty things if you will just call Him into remembrance of His words. These great and mighty faith-filled words start saying something in faith, nothing wavering, and you will get to see God do great and mighty things in your life. Always remember this. There is one thing you can never do, and you can never rise above your confession of the Word of God. Whatever you're willing to confess from God's mighty word, that it is far as you'll ever go in faith, you must learn to confess the word of God. You will have what you confess in life by what you confess from the word of God. You can only rise to the level of your confession of the word of God. So remember, your words are very important. They're light. So what is the light? The light is the word of God, because the entrance of thy words giveth light. Psalms 119, 130. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now then, as we're on side two, I want you to know that he didn't say to hold fast to anything except your confession. He didn't say hold fast to your prayer. He said hold fast to your confession. Now whatever you do... You must confess what you want. And don't go around saying, Lord, it's not working. I prayed and it's not happening. He said, hold fast to your confession. Because the words that come out of your mouth will be what you have. If you pray and walk out and nothing happens and you say, Lord, I don't feel any better. Well, you will never feel any better. But if you confess the word, Lord, your word says, that you bore my sickness and removed my disease in Matthew 8:17. So if you bore my sickness and removed my disease, then praise God, I am healed because the word declares it. And Psalm 107, verse 20, the Lord says, And he sent forth his word and healed them. So you must hold fast to your confession. Your words are is going to be what brings forth your miracle to get you healed or to keep you sick. Now, the word is nigh thee. It is in your mouth. In other words, your miracle. According to Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10, your miracle is in your mouth. The word of faith that we preach or proclaim, that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, you will be healed the word there is sozo. The word sozo, which in that particular translation of Romans 10, uh, 10 is, is translated saved. But the word sozo is used 120 times in 103 verses in the Greek New Testament. And the word sozo means not only saved, 
It means healed. It means made whole. It means delivered, preserved. Now, it means all those things. So, your confession, when the Lord tells you to hold fast to your confession, you got to realize that this battle that we're fighting on this earth is one with words, words of faith. God made us in his image and his likeness, and as he spoke, faith filled words, and they brought the universe into existence. He's not limited anywhere. He can speak things in the cosmos, and they happen. But when he made us in his image, he limited our power to the earth. He said, if Matthew eighteen nineteen, if two of us on earth agree about anything we ask him for, how do we agree? With words. I don't know how many people I've seen miraculously set free and healed or how many answers to prayer I have seen with words acting on Matthew eighteen nineteen. Now you ask the Father in the name of Jesus, just like he said in Matthew eighteen nineteen, and if you don't see results right then, then it's not a miracle. But God does things two ways. He does miracles which happens right then. And he's very capable of miracles. But he's sovereign and he'll do those as he sees fit. But healings is for every one of us. But healings will be determined by your confession of faith-filled words. Now, then, if you learn to speak God's word, like, for instance, in Isaiah 53, 4, Jesus bore your pain. If Jesus bore your pain, then all you got to do, if something comes upon you and some kind of pain comes upon you, all you got to do is declare Isaiah 53, 4, that Jesus bore my pain. And if you will do that in faith, I can guarantee you, if you confess that a few times, it won't be very long till you will have no pain. But you must confess it in faith or according to the word. Just like uh, Isaiah 53, 5. By his stripes I was healed. Not going to be healed someday. I already am healed. Jesus did it on the cross for you 2,000 years ago. But you must speak those words, faith-filled words, speaking the word of God out of your mouth becomes a creative force that will set the word of God in motion that will bring forth a healing or a miracle into your flesh. You must learn to speak these words in faith. Nothing wavering. Now then, God made you another statement in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. He says, but when you ask or speak, you must speak in faith according to the word. Nothing wavering. Because he said in verse 6 and 7, if you waver, you are double-minded and unstable in all your ways. And he said, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. So if you pray and you don't pray in faith, you don't pray according to the word of God. You don't call the Lord into remembrance of his promises. The chances of you getting your prayer answered is very minimum. Now then, if you don't continue to confess the word of God after you prayed, and really continue to confess it with no doubt in your heart, again, the chances are very minimum that you will receive the answer to your prayer. But when you pray, you must believe you have received. 
and you must start confessing your answer. And if you'll start confessing it with no doubt in your heart, I will guarantee you that you will get your answer from God every time. Because he says that you must come to me in faith. Now, if you come to him in faith, faith will make the word of God come to life for you. And as you speak it out of your mouth, which is in your heart, is coming forth. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So as the word of God is stored up in your heart and it comes forth out of your mouth, those words which are spoken will bring God's word to life and it will do creative miracles. I literally took the word of God and spoke it and saw my granddaughter's brain stem put back together. I saw her blind eyes reconnected to her brain. I saw her face completely healed in two weeks, and it was tore all to pieces in a car wreck. And today, speaking the word of God in faith, there's not one single scar left on the face of my granddaughter. And all that happened by speaking the word of God in faith, a creative force that came out of my mouth, as everybody said, it's impossible for her to live. I said, no, the word says, and I spoke the words of God and asked the Father in the name of Jesus to do a mighty miracle. And as I turned and guaranteed everybody he would do exactly what he said he would do in his word, I was speaking his words. And the Lord clearly says, I watch over my word to perform my word. So if you speak his words, it can not fail. It will bring great and mighty miracles into existence for you. So whatever you do, learn to speak faith-filled words. Now the word of God clearly says that the just shall live by faith. Now that's written in the word of God in four different places. And it also says there that in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now so many Christians today are walking by sight and not by faith. Now, after you have spoken to the mountain and you don't see the mountain removed, don't start confessing, the mountain's still there. Start confessing, I see the mountain removed. So there's lots of people will tell you, just like they told me when I was in that hospital with my granddaughter. Thurman, look at her. She's going to die. I said, oh, no, she's not going to die because the Word says, and I didn't care what I saw, you cannot go by what you see. You cannot go by any of your five physical senses. If you go by feeling, you may feel the pain, and it may still be there. But you must confess that it's gone, because the Word declares it's gone. If you will continue to speak the Word of God and confess it, you will see these mighty things happen. Now, what we're doing as we go through life, we have been trained to totally live by our five physical senses. Now then, the devil, of course, he will hit you in some realm of those five physical senses. You'll either see something or smell something or, or touch some, feel something or something, pain or whatever, and you will go by those five physical senses. But if you live by those five physical senses, you are not walking in faith. And if your speaking lines up with your feelings, oh, I hurt so bad, I don't know why I can't get my healing. Well, that's why. 
because you've not got the word, not gotten the word hidden in your heart. When you get the word hidden in your heart, you will confess it. Now, let me give you an example of how this works. Not many weeks ago, I was bitten by a spider. Now, this brown recluse spider, they're very deadly, and they cause the skin to rot, and I know that. But when this spider bit me on my right arm, just a couple inches above my elbow, toward my wrist, I had absolutely no panic, no fear, because I know the Word of God says in Mark 16:18 that no deadly poison shall hurt me. Now, either the Word of God is true or it's a lie, and I hope you know the answer to that, because I certainly do. It is the truth of God, and He put this book together, and He put it together for you and me. But I have to confess this, and I have to hold fast to my confession with my tongue. And what I'd done, whenever that spider bit me, I said, Lord, thank you that your word says, the word says, the word says that no deadly poison shall hurt me. Well, I just went on working. I didn't have no problem or nothing. But as I went to work, continued to work that Monday morning about 9 o'clock when this happened, by the after, end of the afternoon, I had a huge uh, swelled up spot on my whole arm and on my elbow. Well, Friday when I got up, my arm was swelled from my wrist to my shoulder. Now, the average person would go by what they saw, but I held fast to my confession. Jesus is the high priest of my confession. So I said, Lord, thank you that no deadly poison shall hurt me. Thank you that by your stripes I was healed. Thank you, Father, for your promises of Mark sixteen eighteen. Well, the next day, my arm was so stiff I couldn't bend it. So I decided that we cut a little hole where that thing stung me and squeeze out some of that devil. So we cut a hole in my arm and began to mash and squeeze on my arm, and we squeezed out a whole bunch of blood and pus and everything out of that. All the time, I'm praising the Lord that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that the Word says. Now, I don't go by sight. True men of faith go by it is written. And out of your tongue you will speak it is written. I never had any doubt, but I spoke only what the Word of God says. As I spoke what God's Word said, it brought forth by the next Friday my complete healing. And let me tell you, Jesus done a beautiful job on my arm. There's not a mark on my arm today where that spider bit me. Not a mark. And Jesus didn't charge me even for the house call. I mean, Jesus does good work. But you must absolutely learn to trust the Word of God under all conditions and speak it out of your mouth. And it must be hidden in your heart. Now, if you wait until you get bit by a spider like that to start trying to hide God's Word in your heart, you're going to die or you better go to a doctor because you're not going to be able to bring forth out of your heart the Word of God in a short period of time. That's why it's important to take the Word word of God every day and hide these mighty promises in your heart. So as you hide them in your heart, you'll go by what you Know that's in your heart, which is the Word, instead of what you see, smell, feel, so forth. You will not go by your five physical senses ever again once you get these mighty promises of God hidden in your heart. So go by the Word and not what 
you see. Because true men and women of faith do not live by what they see, but by the Word of God. By faith we walk, and by faith we are healed, and by faith we have everything. The just, which is us, the Christians, shall live by faith. We shall walk by faith and not by sight. But I've come to realize today that the majority of the church does not have a clue what the word faith means. If you'd have asked me 20 years ago, did I know what faith was? I'd have said, sure. I didn't have a clue what faith meant. Because I can assure you, if I had any kind of complication or a problem in the medical realm, I would head to a doctor. I would not go to Jesus and ask him. But when I learned that the Word of God, you have to speak it and proclaim it and walk holy before God. Now, that's another thing. If you try to make this work for you and you're living in some kind of sin, even the sin of unbelief, you may be going to church every Sunday. You may be tithing. You may be walking holy before God. But if you have unbelief in your heart that these promises will not work for you, Hebrews 3.12 says you have an evil heart of unbelief. And if you have an evil heart of unbelief, you need not think God's going to do anything for you until you repent and confess with your mouth, Lord, I am worthy. I am your son. I am your child. I am clean. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can come into the throne of grace bold as a lion and ask you anything I want to. And I know that Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, No matter how many promises you made me, Every one of them in Christ are yes every time. So I know that all the promises of God are yes and amen. So, Father, thank you that your promises are yes and amen. So I know that I have my answer to my petition. I know that my prayer is answered. And you must speak with your mouth these mighty faith-filled words. You can't go around saying, well, I'm not sure. Did it work? I, I, I hope I hope it worked. Oh, Lord, where are you? Don't you see I'm hurting? I hope this works. Forget it. God left. He didn't come to those kind of words. It never calls him on the scene. Only faith-filled words, the word of the living God, spoken as a creative force out of your mouth, will bring God on the scene and see him do great and mighty things for you. So remember... Those words must be hidden in your heart from the Word of God, and they must come out of your mouth if you want to see God do great and mighty things for you. Now remember, with what we've said here, the Lord clearly said you can have what you say. Now then, if the Lord says you can have what you say, and you say that everything seems to be going wrong around me, that ought to tell you something. You're saying the wrong things, and that's why it's going wrong. Now then, Jesus said that the God kind of faith works by the words of your mouth. Now then, as you release these mighty faith-filled words out of your mouth, it will bring forth great and mighty miracles. Now let me give you another example over here in Luke 17. In Luke 17, starting with verse 5, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. Now I don't know how many people... I've had come to me and say, Thurman, would you pray for me that I'll have more faith? 
But I'm going to tell you, there's not anywhere in the Word of God where the Lord says you can pray for someone to have faith. What he did say is, whenever they ask him, Lord, increase our faith, this is what Jesus said. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, these people were standing right here by this tree, and it probably wasn't close to a mountain, but he said that tree should obey you. He didn't say a word about increasing their faith. In other words, he said, you've got to learn to say what you want. He said the way you use it is to start saying some things in faith. So as you say things in faith, you will absolutely see things happen. Now then, I've seen a lot of people come to me that they wanted to be healed. They want a harvest of healing and a harvest of physical needs met, but they have never planted a seed. Now then, Jesus told you to plant a seed, and the seed is the incorruptible Word of God. Now the law of Genesis says everything produces after its kind. The Lord says if you plant wheat, it will bring forth wheat. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been a farmer a lot of years of my life, and I've planted a lot of different kinds of seed. But I could take a, a 10,000 pounds of seed and put it out here on a, a truck in front of my house, and I could go out there and till that ground in that field, and I could say, Lord, I believe I'm going to get a good harvest off of that field. But I'm going to tell you, until I go out there and plant that seed in that field, I'm going to bring forth no harvest. But when I go out there and plant that seed in that field, and then when it rains on it and we fertilize it and everything, I know that seed is going to do its work. I don't go out there every day and dig up that seed and to see if it's growing. If you do, that is not going to bring forth a crop. You're going to destroy your crop. So you've got to learn how important your words are. And you must have the Word of God if you want healing, that's why I do so much teaching in a healing school. I teach you everything the Word of God says about healing. And as I teach the mighty promises of God's words about healing, I am sowing seed. Now then, I've had some people that get healed after one, four, three or four, five hour class. And I had other people the seed didn't produce that quick. Some of them takes two classes or three classes or four classes. But we're sowing the seed, and it's growing, and one day it brings forth fruit. Like this lady, Marilyn, for instance, she came to four healing schools. She had emphysema for a few years, and it took four healing schools until the seed brought forth her harvest, and then she was healed. I've had other people that would come and be there, and be there on a four-hour class three hours into the class, and not even pray for them, and they get healed. Because as you was sowing the seed, the Word of God in their hearts, it was bringing forth a harvest. So you've got to plant that seed, you've got to fertilize it, you've got to keep saying it, and when you do, it will bring forth a harvest in whatever area you're in. Praise the Lord. Now then, let's stop and think about how in the world do you get this magnificent faith and this magnificent knowledge of how to do these mighty things. 
Well, let's go to the Word of God for the answer. I want to take you over to Second Peter. I've been teaching recently through the book of First and Second Peter in my Bible study. So I want you to listen to what the Word of God says in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, how does it say this grace and peace is going to be multiplied to you? It says, through the knowledge of God. Now then, what in the world is it, as you go back and read the knowledge of God, you're going to find out how God's faith worked. Once you find out how his faith works, you're going to find out how your faith works. Because your faith is going to work just exactly like his did. You're going to learn to speak some things in faith. And when you start speaking things in faith, you will find out that your faith is going to work the same way that God's word did. And you're going to see God do great and mighty things. Now, you'll realize right here that every time God started to do something, the first thing he did, he said something. He said, let there be light, and light was. Now then, you'll find out that you do the same thing. Every time you start to do something, you're going to find out, if you'll start listening to yourself, you're going to tell somebody, even if it's only you, you'll say, well, I've got to go to town and get something. I've got to go do this. You always say something first before you do it. Usually, you'll even talk to yourself if you're by yourself. But you're going to find out that when you start saying things, that you're going to see, uh, and especially when you start doing things or saying things in faith, you're going to see the Lord do these great and mighty things. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, we find a startling scripture. It says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What? We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written? Well, Second Peter 1, 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. His divine power has given to, unto us all things. How do we get these things? Through the knowledge of God. You've got to realize that you're going to gain these things the same way everybody else does, the same way I did, by studying God's Word. And as you study God's Word, you will find out that the knowledge of God will come upon you and the understanding of God will come upon you and the wisdom of God will come upon you. And you will be able to do great and mighty things because he has given you all these things. Now, I see so many people that are praying for these things. But praying that God will give them knowledge and wisdom, and that's okay. But he's already given you all these things. All you've got to do is learn they're yours and begin to act upon you. If you begin to act upon these things, once they become yours you will start saying some words of faith. And as you start saying things in faith, you're going to find that great things are going to happen. Now, you're going to find out that most of these things you start saying are not going to happen overnight. That's the thing I want to bear hard on for you 
that it won't happen immediately as a rule. Now, I have spoken things, and it has happened just exactly in one spoken word. And that is what is so awesome. When you see God do something and he does it instantly, it really, really is startling to see God do a miracle. And I've had the privilege to see him do mighty miracles. But as a rule, it does not happen instantly. So the Word of God clearly says that you are to say some things in faith. You are to speak them and continue to speak them. And if you continue to speak them, they will become a revelation to you and you will receive these mighty things. So get it in there and and keep saying something. Continuously affirm it, the Word of God, and keep saying something and keep on saying it and keep on saying it and quoting the Word of God to the Lord and you will say that you will see that these mighty things will become a reality to you. So whatever you do, don't cast away your confidence. Stay exactly where uh, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 uh, stays. Let me quote those two verses to you. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So as you can see there, Everything's not going to happen instantly in the kingdom of God. But if you keep saying things and you wait patiently, you will receive the promise. So do not cast away your confidence. Continue to say some things in faith because that's the way you're going to get your healing. That's the way you're going to get your finances met. Now, I don't know how many people I've seen in my life that would come to me and say, Thurman, I need my finances met. The first thing I have to ask them, Are you walking in obedience to God's word, and are you going to church, and are you tithing? A lot of people say, I can't afford to tithe. Well, forget it. You're never going to walk in a financial blessing if you're disobedient to the word of God. Now, then some people come to me are walking in obedience to God's word. They are going to church. They are tithing, and they're still not blessed. But what is the problem? Well, the problem is one inch below their nose, their tongue. What they're doing, they're saying the wrong things. When you say things right and you start claiming God's promises, you'll start giving into the kingdom. And when you give into the kingdom, this is what you'll say. Father, what a privilege and a blessing to give to the ministries of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you because you said in Luke 6:38, Give and it shall be given unto me. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall man give into my bosom. For with the same measure I use to give, shall it be returned unto me. And then you'll start claiming scriptures like Philippians 4.19, that where Paul clearly said, Now then, because you have given, I know that my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So as you learn to say these things from the scriptures, and you say them in faith, quoting God's word to him, you'll see him do great and mighty things for you. And also in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. For every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly 
are of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now then, the thing about it is, when you start quoting those promises to God, speaking them out of your mouth in faith, you will start seeing the king begin to bless you in a mighty way. But it all revolves in the faith realm of speaking the right things after you have been obedient and walked in love and done what the Lord says. Then you must say some things in faith to be blessed. Now, as we continue on here in Second Peter chapter 1, we go on down to verse 4, where the Word of God clearly just says here, clearly declares that whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. The precious, great and precious promises. I have come to realize that this book is absolutely, magnificently, wonderfully full of great and precious promises, and the church today does not even begin to stand on these great promises. You take promises like Matthew 18:19. Where Jesus said, again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth shall agree about anything you shall ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now, when you claim one of those promises and you speak that out of your mouth with another believer, and the two of you agree in prayer, that is a way of getting the Lord to do virtually anything you ask him to do. I mean, it is amazing that these great and precious promises are in here. But most people don't believe them. But it's just like laying hands on the sick in Mark 16, verse 18. Jesus told you to do that too. But most people don't believe these great and precious promises that Peter talks about here. And all of these wonderful, great and precious promises, he said that by these, by these great and precious promises that you can do almost unlimited things. In fact, you can do unlimited things, everything that's according to God's will, and there's many, many wonderful things that you can do by these great and precious promises that you might be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, be like God. How, what kind of nature does God have? Well, he's, he's righteous, and he's full of righteousness, and he's made you and me the righteousness of God in Christ. We're not old unworthy sinners anymore. We used to be an unworthy sinner, but not anymore. Now we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. For the Word of God clearly told us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For he has made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him or in Christ. Now then, the thing about it is, you have to apply all of this to your flesh by faith. When you got saved, there was only one part of you that got saved, and that was your spirit man. Now, your flesh, your soul, and your body is still going to want to go out and sin, and you're going to want to do things that are wrong. And when you start doing things that are wrong because you have not renewed your mind daily with the Word of God and don't know these great and precious and mighty promises and have not become a partaker of the divine nature of God through them, you're still carnal, and your body's gonna, your mind's going to want to do things wrong. I mean, you might uh, have been a person that loved to go out and drink before you become a Christian. Now then, you may still like to drink, but as you become a partaker of this divine nature and these great and mighty precious promises, if you'll study God's Word, you will find out that you're not supposed to be a drunkard anymore. 
And so you'll give up all that stuff. You'll find out that you're not supposed to go out and sin. You're supposed to walk holy before God. Now, the enemy, of course, will tell you, oh, you didn't get anything because, look, you didn't get saved because you still want to sin. Well, you got to take authority over the devil and kick him out with the word of God because he will come and attack your mind and he will work on you as long as you live. So you got to make sure that you don't listen to that beast because if you do, he will absolutely make a hamburger meat out of you. But the flesh, the scriptures clearly says in Galatians 5:17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you want to do. Now then, this in Galatians, or that you would, Galatians 5.17. Now, your body will say, I'd rather not go to church this morning. But the spirit man on the inside of you will say, get up your body, you're going to church. Now, this is where the battle comes in. Now, either your flesh is going to win, or your spirit's going to win, and it depends upon who you feed the most. If you feed your flesh the things of the world, you watch the secular television, you listen to old country and Western music and the somebody done somebody wrong song and all that trash, you watch soap operas and everything like that, your flesh is going to win out and you're going to lay there in that bed on Sunday morning. You're not going to read your word and you're not going to go to church. But... If you will feed your spirit, the spirit man, the word of God, the spirit man will become strong. And I'm telling you that you will absolutely uh, become a, a strong man in faith. And as you learn to know and understand the word of God, you will become so strong in the word that your flesh will have no dominion and no power and no authority over you. And you'll just, it'll just be a routine thing, just like it is for me. You get up every Sunday morning, you know that today you're going to spend the day with the Lord. And you're going to teach His Word. You're going to proclaim His Word. You're going to go out and get people to repent of their sins. You're going to save the lost. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick. And you're going to do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. And it's going to get to be where on an everyday basis you're going to get to see the Lord do great and mighty miracles because you're going to be about the king's work believing these great and mighty precious promises so that by these great and precious promises you will become a partaker of the divine nature of God. And boy, does life become fun when you step over into this realm. It is sure fun. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me read a verse to you from uh, James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters. It says, Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Now then, think about what he just said there. If you can learn how to talk and speak, you will be able to control your whole body. Now then, when I think about this mighty statement the Lord made here, I think about, as I learned these principles years ago, I think about me being able to walk as an engineer. I was able to walk into uh, walk-in coolers and freezers 
and I could speak to my body and command my body to be warm, and I could control it far greater than the average man. I could stay in places where people were cold, and they, as soon as they walk in, I'd notice that people would say, gee, it's freezing in here. I'm cold. I can't stay in here. Your body hears that, and your body responds to that. In fact, I even read a story one time about a man that was in a, 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 a car, a freezer car on a railroad, and the man got in there, and somebody slammed the door on him, and it never got below 55 or 60 degrees in that car that night, but yet the next morning when they opened the door and found that man in there, he had froze to death. That man had froze because he told himself, in fact, he even left a note on the story I read. The man had even left a note saying, I'm freezing, and if somebody don't let me out of here, I know I'll be dead before morning. Now, see, life and death is in the power of the tongue. That man said those things, even wrote it down, and it caused his body to fail, and he died, yet the temperature was not uncomfortable at all. 55 or 60 degrees, a man don't die at that temperature unless... He says it. Now, there's lots of people. I used to know a woman that was a nurse, and she she just amazed me whenever people, especially people at that time, 60, 50, 60 years old, that would come into the doctor's office, and they would be hurting or whatever, and they'd have to have a shot of something. And the doctor would check them, and he couldn't find anything wrong with them. So the doctor just started telling her, just give them a shot of warm water. So she would take and give them a shot of just lukewarm water. And almost immediately those people felt better. Now let me tell you, that's all in your mind. Now as you speak the words, your body hears what you say. And God's word in James chapter 3 clearly says, A man that speaks with his tongue can control or bridle his whole body. Now then, it's amazing the power God's given us with the tongue. And so many people have never learned this principle. So they will say, as soon as a pain or a symptom comes upon them, they're agreeing with the devil. Now then, the Lord clearly said in his word, in Matthew 18, 19, that if two of us on earth agree about anything we ask the Lord for, we shall have whatever we say with our mouth. So if the enemy comes upon you and he puts a symptom upon you, he's saying you're sick. Now then, if you agree with him because of the pain, and you say with your mouth, I have a pain this morning, and yes, you may have a pain, but you don't have to agree with it. But most of us do. And the minute you agree with the symptom that you're sick, you're sick. The enemy now has legal right to make you sick. Now, if Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease on the cross, there's absolutely no use for you and him both, to bear that sickness and disease. If he bore it for you, then don't you bear it. If he bore your pain and removed your sickness and disease, just like he said in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, and Matthew 8, 17, and 1 Peter 2, 24, there is no use in you and him both bearing that sickness. So when the enemy tries to put sickness upon you, don't receive it. You have authority over him in the name of Jesus. Make sure every sin is confessed and make sure you're walking holy before God. And then take authority over that devil and drive him away with the word of God. James chapter 4 verse 7 clearly says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Now, the most powerful thing you have in your entire body is a little instrument right below your nose, a little thing called the tongue. And that tongue is connected to you and goes completely down into your belly. That is a long tongue. I'm going to tell you, when you say the wrong things, you literally hang yourself with your tongue. Your tongue is either the best thing or the worst thing in your life. When you learn to speak the words of God, it is the best thing you can have. It will put you over in life. It will bring miracles into your world. It will bring finances into existence. But if you don't learn how to use that tongue, it will kill you. It will put you down. It will ruin you. And you will never rise above your confession of the Word of God. Now, I've come to realize today the problem is not a lack of faith in the church because you can't have faith without knowledge. Since faith is knowing the Word of God, the problem in the church today is a lack of knowledge of these mighty promises of God's mighty Word. So without the knowledge of God's Word, you cannot become a partaker of the divine nature. If you don't know the promises, you can't claim them. You cannot go beyond knowledge of the Word of the living God. So that's why God didn't tell us to read His Word. He told us to study His Word. He told us to get in it and meditate on it day and night. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord says, Meditate on my Word. Hide it in your heart. Meditate on it day and night. And he said, if you will do that and let it constantly be in your mouth and on your lips, he said, then your ways will be prosperous and then you will have great success in your life. And then also the Lord says in his word, in Proverbs, he says, attend to my words, attend to my words. And if you will attend to God's word, you'll see great and mighty things happen. Here in Proverbs 4.20, where I was going to read there, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, what are you to attend to? words. What kind of words? God's Word. And when you begin to learn to speak God's Word, and you walk in obedience to His Word, and His words come out of your mouth, I will guarantee you on the Word of the living God, you'll never have another problem with finances in life. You'll have enough, never have another problem with health in life. If you will attend to His words, and you'll seek Him day and night, worship Him, praise Him, and thank Him, for these mighty promises, and read this mighty book, and stand on it, and believe it with no doubt in your heart, I will guarantee you that as you speak God's word out of your mouth, you will become like a watered tree beside the river. You'll be strong and big and powerful, and you'll be able to see the Lord do mighty miracles. You'll see as you learn to speak and you're able to speak great words of wisdom from God. You'll see Lord, the Lord bring forth great and mighty miracles. He'll save many people. He'll heal many people. He'll deliver many people as you learn to speak 
but you will never rise above your confession of the Word of God. That's why you must learn the Word of God and hide the Word in your heart so you can see the Lord do great and mighty things. The power of the tongue. It's the most powerful thing you have. That tongue will either put you over in life or it will destroy you. And it's so unfortunate that so many people in the church have never been taught a message on the tongue. Now I'm going to continue to read a little more here in chapter 3 of the, of the book of James. It says, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small rudder. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue, the tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, and so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Now I'm going to tell you the tongue is a devastating, devastating thing, and it will defile your entire body. So you must learn to control your tongue. Now the tongue, as we read there, the tongue can stop all these natural forces that are out there. The tongue can destroy the very course of nature that causes you to be healthy. If you begin to say, I believe I've got this, or I've got this, or I got pneumonia, or I got a cold, or I got sinus problems, or whatever I've got, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have it because you're agreeing with the devil. You know, you've got to believe that you're healed. Don't be, go around saying, well, my mother died with cancer, so I guess I'll die with cancer. If you agree with that, I can assure you that sooner or later you're going to say that enough times that cancer is going to come up on you. So learn to confess the word. Don't confess anything but the word. And the word says that Jesus healed you on the cross. So if Jesus healed you on the cross, speak the word. Don't use negative words. Now then, it says in uh, verse 7 and 8 there, it says, Every kind of beast and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. Then if you might say, well, if no man can tame the tongue, there's not a use of me even trying. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost, which lives in you, can and will control your tongue if you will just yield that little flapping thing to him. Now, if you will ask the Lord, and I realize many people in the church today don't believe that there's a second event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me tell you, there most definitely is. I was raised in a church that didn't teach that. But one day I got a hold of being filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, it has made such a dramatic change in my life. So whatever you do, every morning when you wake up, believe that promise in Luke 11:13 that says, If you ask the Father, He will give you the Holy Spirit. So ask Him to fill you to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can control your tongue. So... If you will let him have control, these great and mighty promises that are in God's word will become a reality to you. 
You'll be able to control your tongue because the Holy Ghost is going to be doing it. And when you learn these great and precious promises that God gives you in the Word, you will never confess defeat or sickness and disease ever again. Even when it looks like things are not working. That's when people fall apart and start saying, it's not working. I'm praying, but things are getting worse. Well, your confession is wrong. You've not believed the Word. You, when you, when I walked into that hospital with my granddaughter in, in uh, 2001 of October the 13th, when they told me that her face, when I saw her face tore all to pieces, and they told me her brain stem was severed, her eyes were disconnected, her skull was crushed in five places, her little lungs were, her chest was crushed, and her right knee was crushed, and her left leg broken in two places, I didn't go by what I saw. If I had, if I'd have lost that little girl, I stood on God's mighty word. I confessed the word, and I confessed the word and guaranteed everybody Jesus was going to do exactly what he said he would do. And he promised in his word. He said in uh, John fifteen seven that if his words remain in me and I remain in him, I could ask him anything I want to, and he would do it. And so I believe that. And so by believing that, I started confessing what I wanted. I wanted the father to raise up my grandbaby and heal her little face and make her ever whit whole. And I was not going to take no for an answer because the word declares I could have whatever I said with my mouth. So I said what I wanted. The king watched over his word to perform it. And he raised that little girl up. And today, she, today of course, uh, she's three years older. She's six years old back in school. Her, she's completely healed. And I praise the Lord Jesus. So, that's what you can do when you learn how to become a partaker of the divine nature of God and believe these mighty promises. Now, when you start believing these mighty promises of God, you're going to realize that with your tongue, you're either going to be able to be healed or you're going to be able to be sick. Now, you can cause sickness to come upon you by speaking. Now, you don't realize the power of your tongue. But just like the Word of God says... In Galatians 3, 13, 14, and 15, he clearly says there in Galatians 3, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now then, all sickness and all disease is part of the curse. It's all there. Because in Deuteronomy 28, and I have taught this many times in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 61, he says, Every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until you be destroyed. But praise the Lord Jesus Christ, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our God, our Master. He redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. So if he bore the curse, there is no use in me and you and him having the sickness and disease. But if you don't know this, when the enemy puts a symptom upon you, and you agree with him with your tongue, you've given that beast legal right to make you sick. Make you sick. So whatever you do, stand on the word. Now I have lived in this and walked in this now about 20 years. Not had one single sick day in the last 20 years. So if it's worked for me, 
I've walked holy before God. I've walked in the righteousness of Christ. I have confessed the right things. I have received Jesus Christ as my healer, not only as my Savior, but my healer. And I have not had one single sick day. And praise God, I confess that, so I'm not going to have any more because I've learned how to control my tongue. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's take the word of God, which is forever settled in heaven, according to Psalms 119.89. And it clearly says the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Well, if you don't know what the word of God says, then you can't declare with your mouth what the word says. So most people are like I was most of my life. When you wake up in the morning and you've got a pain somewhere or a pain in your chest, most people will say the wrong things. They will say, I hurt, I have a chest pain, or I have a feel like I'm having a heart attack, or I feel like I'm coming down with the flu. Will you please pray for me? Well, it doesn't do any good to pray for people that have the wrong confession. You have to get those people to believe the Word of God. And when they get to where they believe God's mighty Word, then the words out of their mouth will agree with the Word of God and not with the enemy. Because what you're doing whenever you agree with the enemy by saying, I'm sick, you're agreeing with the enemy and you're, you're exercising faith in the works of the devil instead of God. Because the Word of God, which says... By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Well, if you're willing to confess that with no doubt in your heart, you will see the devil flee from you. But if you agree with the enemy, it will make you sick. Now, the average Christian today is just exactly like I was the majority of my life. When I begin to read this book and take everything at face value in this book and realize that this book is not difficult, it is an owner's manual written to me a child of the king telling me what to do and what not to do and what I can do with my tongue and the power I have in my tongue, I realize that the word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe and it is absolutely a creative power that will bring forth great and mighty miracles when spoken out of my mouth. Now, if I agree with the enemy and I say with my mouth, I'm sick. The enemy, until you sin, he cannot touch you. Now, Jesus came to bear your sickness and remove your disease according to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, and 1 Peter 2, 24. Now, if your words agree with those words and you walk holy before God, you don't never have to be sick again. But the majority of the church is not there. They do not know these promises. So it's a lack of knowledge of the word. So just like Hosea 4, 6 says, because of a lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. And that's what's wrong with us today. That was my problem. But when I get a hold of the word of God and begin to confess out of my mouth the power of the word, then I never have been sick since that day, since I got a hold of this about 20 years ago. If you do not learn these promises and you do not speak them out of your mouth when the enemy comes upon you and puts a symptom upon you, he will defeat you. Now remember this. The enemy is completely defeated. He was defeated on the cross by our king 2,000 years ago. 
First John 3, 8 clearly says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, if our king came to destroy the works of the devil, he destroyed that beast. Hebrews 2.14 clearly says, By becoming flesh and blood, Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Colossians 2.15 says Jesus disarmed him and completely spoiled him and triumphed over him completely in the cross. And then he turned to you and me in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, and says, Behold, I give unto you power to trample or tread on the serpent, Satan, and his scorpions, or his demons. All power are given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. But be not thankful that the evil spirits have to be subject to you, but rather be thankful your names are written in heaven. Now, until you get a hold of the fact, That as long as you walk in obedience to God's word, those demons have no claim to you. So when they come and try to put a symptom upon you, you will not get sick until with your mouth you agree with the devil with your symptoms. If you will rebuke him and drive him away, you can drive him away. Now there is some cases that when you sin and a demon comes in, you got to remember... There is, according to Ephesians chapter 6, there is principalities, there is powers, there's rulers of darkness, and then there's a spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. I believe those first three classes of demons are earthbound, and they walk, and they get more powerful as they go along. When you get a ruler of darkness, the beast is hard to get out. But when you get one of them, and the higher up in the faith realm you walk, the bigger will be the demons that you will encounter. And so whenever the bigger demons come in, you just got a larger fight on your hand. But you can be and will be the winner, even if Satan himself comes to you, just like he did to Judas. And it says, and Satan entered Judas when Judas yielded to him. Well, don't yield to that beast. Remember that you and I, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, have complete power and authority over Satan and his hosts. So don't yield to them. Rebuke them, drive them away, take the word of God, tell him, speak out of your mouth. Satan, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. Satan, I have power over you because it is written in Luke ten nineteen and 20. And you speak to that devil and you do the same thing Jesus did. When Jesus came to this earth, he went about after John the Baptist had come and getting people to repent of their sins. John the Baptist came and prepared the way of the Lord. He got the people to repent of their sins. Now then their sins had opened the doors to the demonic world, and Satan came into them to kill, steal, and to destroy. Well, due to their sin, nobody could get them out because there was no one righteous. No one was without sin, and we all belonged to the devil. But when Jesus came, he was the first man that had no sin that Satan had no claim to. So Satan had nothing in him. He clearly told us that because he didn't have any sin in him. Well, when you and I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, the power in our tongue will deliver us from the devil. So when he comes as a defeated foe and puts symptoms upon you, far too many Christians don't know this, and so they yield to the devil. They yield to his ways, they yield to his pains, they yield to his temptations, and he comes in to kill, steal, and to destroy. 
But we are clearly told that we should die to sin and live unto righteousness. And when we realize that and realize we're the righteousness of God in Christ, we will never agree with the devil with sickness and disease. And when he does slip upon us to try to put something upon us, when he puts those pains and symptoms upon us, we will not yield to those pains and symptoms. We will drive that beast away with the word of God because Jesus clearly said in James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Now, that means to walk holy before him and do what he says. Walk in love. Give no place to the devil. Don't hold any grudges. Don't get angry at people. Walk in love. After you've submitted yourself to God, then he says, resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? How did Jesus resist the devil? He quoted the word to him. He said, Satan, it is written. And as he quoted the word to the devil, the first time the devil didn't leave. So he came and put him to the test again. Well, Jesus quoted the word to him again, and he didn't leave again. And he quoted the word to him the third time. And, of course, the devil even started quoting the word. So you've got to be careful. He knows the word, but he will always twist the word just a little bit. And it's amazing how he does that to us. But he's very sly in what he does. That's why you must know the word of God. You must have the word hidden in your heart. And when you have the incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God, in your heart, the Word of God says, out of your mouth will come what's in your heart. Now, if all you got in there is soap operas and dirty movies, let me tell you, that is no threat to the devil. But if all you've got in your heart is light, which is the Word of God, the power of it, with the Holy Spirit attached to it, I'm telling you, when you speak the words of God out of your heart, they become a creative force that makes the word of God go into operation for you. It delivers you from the devil, and it heals you and keeps you well. And the goal is not to be healed. The goal is to walk in divine health and power and to be able to cast out demons and heal the sick. And you get it all done with words. Learn how to talk. Learn how to speak the Word of God. But remember, you cannot speak the Word of God until the Word of God is in you and it becomes a revelation to you that you are a son of God and you can do what the Lord said you can do in the name of Jesus. And in fact, what he said, if you can believe, nothing shall be impossible with you. So what kind of limitations do you and I have? We're limited with our tongue. Whatever we say is what we have. The world you live in today is the world you've spoken into existence with your tongue. Now, if you've said the right things and you've confessed God's word, you're in a good place. You have your needs met. You have your financial needs met. You have your spiritual needs met. You're a born-again Christian, and you're on your way to heaven, and you know that you know that you know that this book is true. And if you know it's true, then you can take authority over demons. And with words, you can cast out demons. You can get magnificent miracles of finances met. Anything you can speak in faith, you can have it done. But if you speak negative things, that's what's going to happen to you. It's just that simple. So the most important thing you have is your tongue and learn to let the Holy Spirit control that tongue. Just like we talked earlier on this tape, that when you learn to control your words, you become a perfect man. 
and you're able to control your entire body. And that means in sickness and disease, your body will yield to your tongue. Now then, just to show you how much Jesus loves you, if you cut your finger, all you got to do is keep that finger clean and the healing power of Jesus that's in you when he made you will renew that flesh. It will put it back. It'll heal it. All you got to do is put a Band-Aid over it, and it will heal itself. And, and if you've got faith, you can get it to heal without even a scar. Because when our body, which was made by the Lord, he loved us so much, he didn't want us to be sick and afflicted, he put a warring uh, portion in our body to drive away all sickness and disease and to keep us in health and to renew this body Every few years, this body renews itself, and it was originally designed to live forever. But then the beast, Satan, came in, and he got mixed up into our physical flesh. And one of the most misunderstood things in the whole body of Christ is that a Christian cannot have a demon. That's what you're told, but that is not true. A Christian most definitely can have a demon. That's where all sickness and disease comes from. Satan and his host, he just like Job, that's no doubt about it. That's where the demons came into Job and the boils and the sores and everything came upon him. Well, that's never changed. Satan is the author of all sickness and disease. The crippling things, because all good and perfect gifts comes from the Father in heaven. Everything else comes from the devil. The dividing line is in John 10.10. The first part of that says the thief, which is Satan, come to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I, Jesus, come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Being poor is not life abundant. Being sick is not life abundant. Living way below your means and having a need of everything is not life abundant. Jesus came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. You're only going to have it when you learn to speak by faith The Word of God. So when you learn to speak the Word of God, it will become such an awesome, awesome reality to you that you'll speak it and you'll walk in it and you'll have no doubt that it's going to work. So when you get to this level of faith, that this faith that overcomes the world, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith or our trust in the Word of God, when you get to that point, you'll never need a health insurance plan again. You'll never need a doctor again. You'll have the best doctor in the world. You'll have Jesus, and you'll stand on his promises, and you'll see him do glorious things. Just like I stood on these mighty promises on January the 6th of 2002 for my little grandbaby, which was three years old, that had her eyes disconnected in a car accident due to a tremendous impact, The cords coming from her eyes to her brain were literally disconnected and jerked out of her brain. The doctors told me there's no surgery in the world can put that back. But I'm telling you, I met in a Baptist church in Justin, Texas with about 40 people, faith people. And we prayed for two solid hours. And in three weeks, the king of the universe reconnected my grandbaby's eyes. I'm telling you. We spoke faith. Doctors told me she'd never see again. I said, I do not receive that curse in the name of Jesus. They didn't understand the importance of words. I spoke words of faith. And that day when we knelt and prayed, we all spoke words of faith. 
And our King Jesus showed up by the power of the Holy Ghost. And in three weeks' time, he put those little cords back to that brain and made them hook up like they're supposed to. And today, my grandbaby's six years old, and she can see fine out of those eyes. I'm telling you, God's Word works. But you got to learn how to speak and do something in faith. Now, stop using those old faith-destroying phrases, if it be your will. Find out what His will is, and then stand on those mighty promises in God's Word with no doubt in your heart. Speak words of faith, and you will see the King do great and mighty things when you learn how to talk. I'm going to go over another one of these mighty promises, as we talked about earlier in the Second Peter chapter 1, about these mighty promises. Let me tell you one of these mighty promises. One of these mighty promises, another one of them, is in James 5, 14, 15, and 16. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is done by words. But this is the prayer of faith. Now, this is a guarantee to heal anybody in the church that's sick under any conditions. Now, I don't have any idea how you can get anything else out of this than what it says. But when you read this scripture... It clearly says in James 5.14, is any sick among you? Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm just the kind of guy that's simple enough to believe that if God says is any sick among you, he meant anybody. Now, is any sick among you? Pretty hard to mess up. It says, let him call for the elders of the church. Well, who are the elders of the church? That's anybody that's well-founded in the faith. You might have some very young men that are elders of the church. But usually that's not the case. Usually young men have not been trained by a mentor. And those young men are not grounded in the faith. But it's unfortunate that a lot of old men are not founded in the faith. They don't know the Word of God either. So what you need when it says, let the elders, the Word of God is assuming here that the men, by the time they get a little older, have got the Word of God hidden in their heart and they know who they are. But today, unfortunately, there's so few, even older men, that know anything about God's Word. I know. I was one of those. But when I finally got a hold of this, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and have them pray over him and anoint him with all. So far, that doesn't sound too hard, does it? And the prayer of faith. The what? The prayer of faith. Not the prayer. Because prayer without faith will not work. But faith will work. Prayer will work with faith. What is faith? It's the Word of God. So when you take these mighty promises and these guarantees from God's Word, and it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Not maybe it will. It shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise you up. And if your sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord will forgive your sin, and he will raise you up. Then it says in James 5:16, the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now, what kind of prayer? Effectual, fervent, I mean diligent prayers of faith shall save the sick. And therefore the Lord says, Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. So if you know of any kind of sin that you've got, don't withhold that. Confess it. Confess it to the Lord. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Get rid of sin. 
What the Lord is trying to tell you here, with your mouth, confess your sins so that you will be restored to fellowship so you don't have to be down and sick and afflicted because when you walk in disobedience to God's word, even in the sin of unbelief, and I guess that nearly the entire church today is living in unbelief. In fact, I have seen... In fact, I have seen several people in my church healed this past year when they literally done one thing, and that's confessed their sin of unbelief. I couldn't even tell you the number of people I've seen healed this past year when they did that one thing, because these great and precious promises that Peter told us about, that we will become partakers of the divine nature of God, most people don't know what any of these promises are. So if you don't know what they are, you cannot go beyond knowledge, so you need to get the Word of God out and learn these promises and stand on them and then see our King do great and mighty things for you. Now, as far as I'm concerned, James 5, 14, 15, and 16 is a guarantee from God to heal anybody that's sick in the church anytime under any conditions 100% of the time as long as all that criteria that's laid out there is met. And that criteria says... That you must call the elders and have them ask him to anoint you with oil. Then he says the elders must pray the prayer of faith. And then the word of God says you must confess your faults one to another. And then it says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So you must know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And you must know all your sins are confessed. And if you do that, then you can pray the prayer of faith with a guarantee that the person you prayed for will be healed every time. Now, you can't come in there and use that old faith-destroying phrase with a promise like that and say, Now, God, if it be your will, because there's no faith in that, and that person will not be healed. You will be defeated with your own tongue. Now, I'm telling you, your tongue is either going to put you over in life or it's going to condemn you in life. So learn how to talk and to speak only words of faith. Another thing that just amazes me in the church today is a lack of knowledge in these areas because what happens, somebody comes in the church and we look at a person and we've been so trained for doctors that when we see somebody walk in the church today, if they don't look exactly right, maybe they're a little red around the eyes, we'll say, goodness, you don't look well today. Are you taking the flu? You don't realize you're trying to speak a curse over that person just like the other night. A young man and I was carrying some bags down a staircase, and a woman, that's a Christian woman, but she'd never learned these principles. He's carrying this bag down, and it was a little heavy, but he's strong. She said, you better be careful. You're liable to strain a hernia on yourself. And, of course, he was very intelligent in the Word of God. And he turned to her and said, ma'am, you're trying to speak a curse over me. She didn't have a clue what he was saying she had no knowledge of this. It had not become a revelation to her because she had never learned to control her tongue. And that's what's wrong with us in the church today. We do not learn how to control our tongue. This young man has learned to control his tongue. What happens is a person walks in and they look bad and you speak, you look bad. And the person says, yeah, I do feel bad. I feel like I'm coming down with something. Well, the devil he will get out his little chart and say, well, what do you think's wrong with you? You think you're coming down with the flu? And if you say, well, I really guess. And, of course, he's doing this through the mouth of another person. 
and you say, yes, I really believe I'm coming down with the flu. Well, you have just condemned your body with your own tongue, and the devil will definitely oblige you, and he'll put that flu on you. What you should say if when somebody walks in, you should say, you don't look extremely well today, but I'm telling you, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Let me lay my hands on you and cast this devil out of you, and Jesus Christ will heal you and set you free. And when we start doing that, you're going to start seeing the Lord deliver people, and you're going to start seeing people walk in divine health. But today, the average Christian, when you walk up to one of them and say, I want to pray for you for your healing, oh, they say, that's okay, I'm going to the doctor. Well, you might as well not pray for that person because they have no faith. And with no faith, they're living in total unbelief and doubt. And Jesus himself, when he was here with the Holy Ghost and power without measure, in his own hometown of Nazareth, there Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. When unbelief is running rampant, forget it. You might as well do some teaching with his people because their tongues are not trained and their tongues are keeping them defeated. Even in Mark 9, when the men that had been anointed with the Holy Ghost and to go out and cast out demons and heal the sick, they run into a demon that intimidated them in Mark 9. They couldn't cast him out. And they said, Lord, why could we not cast him out? And the Lord says, because of your unbelief. What is it that is our problem? Unbelief. Well, how do you get rid of this unbelief? He said, this kind of unbelief comes out by prayer and fasting. That's another thing we fell short on. We don't do much fasting. So fasting and prayer, talking to God, reading his word, will build you up in this most holy faith. And then you will be able to walk in divine health. You will not let the devil do this to you anymore. When you get a hold of these things, you'll never confess sickness and disease again. You'll hide these mighty promises of God in your heart, and you will control your body, and you will not have to be sick again. I've walked in this now for 20 years, but I'm telling you the only way you can do it is have these mighty promises hidden in your heart and then learn to speak those words of God out of your mouth, which will bring forth a creative force that will cause your body to line up with your spoken words. And when you do, you don't never have to be sick again. Praise the Lord. I've learned a lot of things in the last few years about the Word of God. And used to, when I first started teaching a healing school, I would only read verse 24 of 1 Peter 2.24. In fact, I would only quote the last line of 1 Peter 2.24, which says, By whose stripes you were healed. But I've now learned there are some requirements that you must uh, meet before that will work for you. So I'm going to start all the way back up at 1 Peter 2.21. And when I learned this, this made a tremendous difference in my ability to teach people God's Word to see them get healed. I now know that sin is what keeps us sick and afflicted. Because listen to what 1 Peter 2.21 says. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Well, we can consider that we're supposed to follow the steps of Jesus, but we don't really take that literally. Well, that's where we mess up. People's got to where they don't take the Word of God literally, but it was written simple for you and I to take literal. Everything in this book we are to do literally, 
if Jesus said it in common words. And this is what he said. Now, this is the example we are to follow. Who did no sin. How much sin are you supposed to have? None. You can go all over this book. You can go back over to Romans 6 and 7. And you'll see where Paul clearly said over and over, we should die to sin and live unto righteousness. We should have no sin. Should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid that you should sin. So what is the goal? This is what Peter said here in 1 Peter 2.22. If Jesus did no sin, this is the example that we're to follow. No sin. Then he says, neither was guile found in his mouth. So there's not supposed to be any guile in our mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. So that's what we're supposed to do. And when Jesus suffered, he threatened not. And when we suffer, we're not supposed to threaten people. But boy, that's easy for us to do. We come down off of that cross and we'll read them the riot act. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do exactly what Jesus did. And he said he committed himself to him, which was God, that judges righteously. And then verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins. Now God sees us dead to sins. So if we are dead to sins, he says we should live unto righteousness, which means we should not sin. And then after all these things, he says, then by whose stripes ye were healed. Because if you meet all the criteria in the verses up above that, and you give no place to the devil with your tongue, you speak the words of God in faith, and you walk holy before the king, then when the devil tries to put something upon you, you can take the word of God and you can drive that beast out, and you don't never have to be sick again. But if you're not willing to diligently study this book and read it, I can guarantee you the day will come, the devil will slip upon you, and he will make you sick. And you will wind up in a hospital with something seriously wrong with you. But if you'll serve God and be obedient to him and read this book, you don't never have to be sick again. Now then, what if you've not reached this point? What if people, they talk to me and say, Thermo, will you pray for me? I pray for them. They said, do I need to stop taking my medicine? Well, that totally depends upon where your faith is. If you don't have any of the Word of God hidden in your heart, chances are you better take your medicine. But if you take medicine, then at least take it in the name of Jesus. Now, I realize everybody's in a different place with their faith. Some people, if they were to stop taking medicine and it was a critical thing, they might die in a day or two or three. It depends on what you've got. It depends on your faith level. Jesus clearly said in Matthew eight seventeen, According to your faith be it done unto you. What is faith? It's the word of God. Having it hidden in your heart. If you've got the word hidden in your heart and you know that Jesus bore your sickness and removed your disease, you know he did all those things, then by faith... You can receive that, and Jesus says, If you have this word hidden in your heart, and you believe it with no doubt in your heart, he says, Then nothing shall be impossible with you. Nothing. Now, that's where I want to be, and I'm striving to be there, because I don't want nothing to be impossible with me. My Jesus said, 
Nothing is impossible with me if I can believe. So that means in every realm, when he said it is finished, if I'll hide this word in my heart, I am delivered from the devil. I am saved. I confess that with my mouth and I believe with my heart. So therefore, I am born again. How did I get that done? With words. He also said that he healed me. That's also in the word sozo. The word sozo means saved, healed, delivered, preserved, and made whole. If you're willing to confess by faith that you're not only saved, but you're healed, you're made whole, you're delivered, and you're preserved, then all those things will become a reality to you because by faith you go every day speaking those things out of your mouth and your tongue is the most powerful thing you have and that magnificent creative force in your mouth when you speak God's word will bring these things to a reality, a real thing, and they will be health to all your flesh and you don't ever have to be sick again. But you must walk holy before God if you want these things to work for you. Now, you must, must realize that faith is where the battle is won. The victory is in faith. Because the Word of God says in 1 John 5, 4, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So, if you believe God's Word, if you have faith then faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And it's written for us in 1 John 5, 4. So you've got to believe that. Now then, you must realize that Satan has no claim to you as a Christian as long as you walk holy before God. And Satan cannot do anything to you until you give him legal right with your tongue. Now the Word of God is very clear as you look at it. You find out that far greater is the Holy Ghost that lives in you than the devil that lives in the world because also in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Ye are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now then, if if we have that great power in us, we have the power to overcome. Well, how do we overcome? Well, Revelation 12:11 says, And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, this right here is such an incidental little statement that if you're not careful, you can read right over this and not realize the power of words. They overcame him. Who is him? The devil. By the blood of the Lamb. Who's the blood of the Lamb? That's the blood of our Savior that was spilt on Calvary for you and me. And then by the word of their testimony. The word. The word that they confessed. The word of God. We overcome him with the word. If you will believe the word, the word of God clearly says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, all you got to do is learn how to talk and learn the authority of words. That when words are so important, Jesus even told you in his word that your words are so important that he's even going to hold you accountable for every idle word that you speak. Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. You will be condemned by your words, 
or you will be justified by your words. That means in the flesh realm and the spirit realm. So the most important thing you'll ever do is learn how to speak the word of God. And when you speak the word of God in faith, it will bring forth great and mighty miracles in your life. I want to quote a verse for you in Proverbs 6, 2, just to give you again the power of words. Proverbs 6, 2 says you are snared with the words of your mouth. Your saying is so important. And when you get into this Bible, you will find that all over this book, there is mighty statements made about words. Well, if you're snared with the words of your mouth, what does that mean? Do you understand what this means? Do do you have any clue how the words of your mouth can condemn you? Well, I'm going to tell you, words will work for you because they work for Jesus. Now, these words are working for you or against you. Now then, if you start saying that I just can't do certain things, I, I'm, I'm so tired. In fact, I have people all the time make that statement to me because I am up day and night. And I'm up working and calling people and going and ministering to people. And people will almost always come to me at church and say, I know you're so busy and I know you must be tired. I say, please don't speak a curse over me. I said, I don't get tired. I said, I, the Lord is my strength. The Lord Jesus Christ is my strength. And he renews my youth daily like the eagles. So I don't get tired. I'm not weak. I'm strong. So you, if you get people that are constantly saying, oh, I just can't do this or, or whatever. I don't understand why I can't heal or get healed or I don't understand why I'm so nervous or whatever it is. If you could follow them around all day and you could record everything they say, I'm going to tell you that they're making the wrong confession over and over and over. And their body is hearing that and it's responding to those words. It's just like how many times have I heard someone say, wow, I walked into the room. And, of course, these people, they come up to me and say, Thurman, I'm 50 pounds overweight. I want to lose some weight. What do I need to do? I say, you need to learn how to talk. What do you mean, talk? I said, well, here's what we say. We walk into a room and we see we're not hungry or anything. We look over there and there is a beautiful pecan pie or a cream pie or whatever kind you love. And you look over there and say, gee, look at that beautiful pecan pie. I just can't pass that up. I've got to have that piece of pie. But I know if I eat that piece of pie, I'll probably gain five pounds. I don't know how many times I've heard Christian people make that negative confession. Well, your body starts desiring that pie. And when you eat that pie, that pie will become more fat than for anything. But you need to say, my body, body, I don't desire that pie. Or if I do want a little piece, I'll have a small piece of that pie, not a great big piece. In the world we live in today, so many people have got started getting, you can't drink a 10-ounce drink anymore. It's got to be a 16-ounce or a 24 or a 32 or even a 64-ounce. And we wonder why we're sick and afflicted and our bodies are fat and everything else because we've not learned to speak and control our body with our words. When you learn to control your words, you will be able to control your whole body. So you say, yes, that's pecan pie. I can live with it or I can live without it. But I would like to have a tiny piece, so I'm going to cut myself a small piece. But body, you consume this, and you will not turn to fat, 
You will take only what you need out of there to sustain my 180 pounds. That's what I weigh. And I will not allow you to put on any fat, and I will take it from here. In the name of Jesus, Father, I bless this pie. I ask you to bless it to the nourishment of this physical body, and I thank you for it. Now, the Word of God clearly says in 1 Timothy 4 that all things are clean. All things are good for us. I've heard people say, but that's the only things that was clean to the Jewish people. But that's not what that word bromo means in the King James, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, I mean. That word clearly means all things that was clean or unclean according to the Jewish law. So by faith, you can eat anything you want by faith if you learn how to talk. You can eat anything you want if you take it with thanksgiving and pray over it and bless it in the name of Jesus. Because the Word of God says all things are clean, providing they're sanctified with the Word of God with prayer and thanksgiving. So don't ever take a bite of food or water into your body of no kind except you take it in prayer and thanksgiving. And when you do, all things are clean. And you won't have to be concerned about gaining a bunch of weight if you'll do it God's way. So whatever you do, learn to control your words. I want to quote something in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. It says, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. The fruit of your mouth, that is something that you speak, in other words, in words, by the uh, produce of your mouth, you will be satisfied or you will be disappointed. It says, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. So if you speak good things out of your mouth, you will be satisfied. If you speak negative things out of your mouth, you will be disappointed. So you've got to learn to speak God's word. Because let me speak and teach you another Proverbs here in verse 18. It says, There is that one that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Now let me tell you. This is very, very important that the speaking uh, is like the piercing of a sword. So when you speak the wrong things, this verse literally says you are piercing yourself through with a sword. You're cutting yourself and damaging yourself with words. Now, if you're desiring something from God, but you're cutting yourselves up with the word of God saying, such negative things like, oh, I'm unworthy, or I can't get my prayers answered, or I don't know why God won't heal me. And I don't know how many people I hear say that all the time, that I know God's word's true, but I don't know why God won't heal me. Well, let me tell you, the problem is one inch below your nose. It's your tongue. These people that confess these things are believers, but they're using their tongue to destroy their faith. You're using this absolute magnificent, powerful thing in your mouth called the tongue to destroy your faith, and it never calls God on the scene. So you've got to learn to control your tongue. If you want to get healed, you've got to learn the healing scriptures. If you need to be blessed financially, you've got to learn the financial scriptures. 
and those words must come out of your mouth. They must become a reality to you. And as they become a reality to you, you will see the Lord come on the scene. Because when you speak faith-filled words, nothing shall be impossible with you, the Scripture says. So you've got to learn to talk. Let me quote a verse to you here in 3 John 2 about finances. We've talked about finances on and off in this tape. But in 3 John 2, the Word of God says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Now, according to that, Jesus wants you to prosper. Now, whether you ever get God to prosper you or not is up to you. As long as you say the wrong things, you will never be able to prosper. And how many people go around saying, I just don't have enough money to go to the end of the month. And I'm talking about people that tithe. Now, if you're not a tither, these things won't work for you. But you've got to be obedient to God's Word. After you become obedient, then you have to learn how to talk. So when you learn how to talk, if you're tithing, you don't never say, I don't have enough money. I don't have a good job. I can't get a job. I guess that everything I do will go wrong. You're speaking words of unbelief and doubt, and they will never bring God on the scene. So start doing something in faith. The Lord says in James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, He says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and he goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whom looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now you've got to remember and look into the perfect law of liberty, the perfect law of God. Because it says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Now, if you will learn to speak words of faith, then you will always speak what the Word says about finances. And the Lord wants you to be in health and prosper. So as long as you speak God's word, you will be in health and you will prosper. Now, you should never speak a negative word. You should always say, thank you, Lord, that I have a good job. It doesn't make any difference if you have that job now or not. But you start saying some things in faith, and you will be just exactly what Paul said in Romans 4.17. When you begin to call those things that be not as though they were, they will become. So if you speak it, in fact, right here, I'm going to tell you a story about how when I was a regional engineer for a corporation that was bought out by another corporation, and they called us to our Washington office and told us that after September of 95 that we would not have a job. I didn't panic at all. I came home, I got up on the roof of the building, and I looked over to the buildings across the street that this other operation owned, and I said, Mark 11:23 says, Whatever I say with my mouth, if I believe it with my heart, I can have it. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I'm standing on your word in Mark 11:23. 23. 
And so I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to displace the men that's the head engineer over there at that facility and give him a better job. Now, I don't want him to have a lesser job. I want him to have a better job. And then, Father, I am tired of traveling. I've been traveling for many years with this corporation, so I am ready to settle down at home these last 10 or 15 years, whatever I'm going to work. And I'm because at that time I was about 50 years old. I said, I want to settle down at home the next 10 or 15 years, and I want to work here at home, but I need a good job. And so I'm going to be the head engineer over these facilities right here at DFW Airport. And I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. Well, I walked out of there, and I walked downstairs, and I said, well, I'm going to be the head engineer over there for the new corporation right here at DFW Airport. And they said, well, how do you know? I said, because the Word of God says so. And everybody kind of laughed. Have you been over and talked to them yet? I said, no, but I talked to God. And he's the one that I'm working for, not anybody else. All for the next six months, I spoke those words. People said, what are you going to do, Thurman? I said, I'm going to be the head engineer over there at that facility. They thought, and you've not even been over to talk to them? I said, no, I've talked to God. He's all I need to talk to. What had happened within a month after I began to speak that, the Lord displaced that man's wife, gave her a better job, and moved her to Miami, Florida, and she bought a house down there. Well, about a week before my job ended where I was, they, uh, this man in Florida that was over the operation, he decided to do away with uh, in-house maintenance I mean, not in uh, external maintenance, outside maintenance, and start with in-house maintenance and in-house truck maintenance and everything. And so he called the man that was there at DFW and asked him if he'd be the head engineer down there for him. And he accepted. So he was going to be gone in a week. He went and told the VP that in one week he would be gone. Well, the VP didn't know what to do. He had had this man for over 10 years. So about that time, I thought it's time for me to walk across the street. I got one week left on my job. I've claimed that job. I've been telling everybody I was going to have it, so I better go across there and claim it. So I went across there. I told the man who I was and what I came over for, and I was exactly right. I came right in, worked with that man one week, took his position. He left and went to Florida, and I became the head engineer over those plants at DFW Airport. Praise God. That's what you can do when you learn how to talk. It's the most important thing you'll ever do is to learn to talk the Word of God. You can control your body. You can control the environment around you. You can control everything because God made you in His image and His likeness, and you control everything around you with words of faith, words from the written Word of the living God. So whatever you do, learn to speak. These mighty words of faith. They will bring great dividends into your life. Now I want to quote just a few verses and a few statements that's made by the Proverbs or in the Proverbs. If you will take the Proverbs and go through there and you'll highlight every verse that has anything to say about words or the tongue or the mouth, you will find a lot of things. Now, in Proverbs 21:23, the Word of God says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. And in verse 25, uh, in, uh, this, that was 21:23. this is Proverbs 12:25. 25. 
It says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. In other words, think about the statements that people say to each other. Say your husband walks in and says, I want a divorce. Or say your wife walks in and says, I hate you. Do those words hurt? Of course they do. They're devastating. Now, words, they're only words. But think about how powerful these words are. Which ones do you like to hear spoken to you? And what effect do they have on you? Think about it. Words are very powerful. So you need to be very careful in your choice of words. As you speak to people, whether you're at a funeral or whether you're at a wedding or whether you just go over to somebody's house to sit down and talk with them, make sure that you have a very careful control on your tongue. Say good things. Build people up. Don't cut people down. Talk to people about Jesus. Now, here's another one in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. It says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that, refra- he that refraineth his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver, the heart of the wicked as little worth. Now, Proverbs 12:18 says, The tongue of the wise is health. Now, as you go, I think about that magnificent statement. As I go and as I teach healing schools to people, I teach people with my tongue the Word of God. And the Word of God brings forth health to all their flesh. Now, isn't that amazing? Because in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6, it says, The mouth of the upright shall deliver him. In other words, as I speak the words of God, it delivers me or delivers others. Now, Proverbs 18, starting with verse 6, says, A fool's lips enter into contention, but his mouth calleth for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. I think about a long time ago when I was a young man in high school, how we went out together with a bunch of boys one night, and all the boys but me got to drinking. I would not drink alcohol. I just would not do it. But I did go out with a bunch of boys one night, and they were drinking, and they went out to a dance, and we thought we were having fun. One of the boys, which was a pretty strong guy, he started making some uh, silly statements with his mouth, about another man and a woman. And, of course, the other man, he was about half drunk, too. So in a little while, the two of them were fighting. I mean, they had a tremendous fight going on there. They were slinging, slugging it out. Before the night was over, we had to take that boy to the doctor, wake the doctor up, get him up there to cut him, to sew up his cuts. I look back on those things now and think, What a fool we was. But it said in Proverbs 18, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. I have seen that demonstrated, and I saw it that night, but I've seen it other times too. Now then, 
I'll tell you that whenever you go over to the book of James and read chapter 3, which we've talked about earlier, James said not to be many masters or teachers because teachers will receive the greater condemnation. Well, there are several reasons why teachers will receive the greater condemnation. Number one, we use words. Words are a teacher's main tool, and the words of teachers are many. And when we do this, when we teach or when we preach the Word of God as teachers and preachers of the Word, we have a good chance to offend, but the Lord says we're not to offend. And we speak to more ears than other people do as teachers. And because of our position, some people will take our words and live by them. Now, I will say that I am grateful for the uh, knowledge and wisdom the Lord has given me from this book because the people that have heard the words that I have spoken and have acted on these words have absolutely changed their life. And I hear these statements from people all the time as I teach them these mighty words from God's Word, how their life has been transformed and how they're learning how to control their words and what they say and to say only the right things and to walk holy before God. And it is bringing the Lord on the scene to change their lives. And I am so grateful for these mighty things the Lord has done for his people. Now, in the Proverbs I'm going to read to you now, I'm going to show you where your tongue is the greatest thing you have to either make you poor or to make you rich. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20, it says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Proverbs 13:2 and 3 says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Now, I'm going to tell you that if you will learn how to talk, and if you will learn how to do this at an early age, if you'll learn how to confess the word. Now, I'm so grateful that I'm learning these things in later life, because as I am, I am claiming and declaring that God is not only my Savior, which is what gets you saved by faith in believing and confessing, but it also controls your body, your flesh, your health. As we've seen from these mighty scriptures, you must confess what the Word of God says in Psalms 103. Forget not all the Lord's benefits. Now, the benefits of the Lord are this. Now, I know that lots of people have been looking for the fountain of life for years. But here it is, right here in the Word of God. And it's one inch under your nose. It's your mouth, your tongue. That if you will confess the Word by faith, the Lord says in Psalms 103, He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. Now, if you claim those two things, if you confess your sins, your iniquities, he'll forgive them. If you claim he's your healer, he will heal you. But that seems to be something very difficult to do. Today, when most people get hurt or injured or they start feeling bad, instead of going to God and claiming the promises of God, they immediately go to the doctor. And that's the wrong thing to do. That's not faith. That is absolutely not faith in God's Word. But if you will confess these promises and then continue on that the Lord saves you from destruction, the Lord 
He satisfies your mouth daily with good things. You claim that on a regular basis every day would be good. And then say that the Lord renews my youth daily like the eagles. You claim that every day, and you won't get old near as quick. But you listen to the average person. They stand around talking, especially after they get past 40 or 50 years old. Most Christians have never been taught what the Word of God says about your mouth. They will start confessing, well, I'm getting old. I guess I'll start having pains. I guess I'll start losing my hair. Or my hair is just getting thinner every day. I hear people all the time saying, my hair is just falling out. Well, you're saying the wrong things. You need to start claiming my hair is staying in. It's getting thicker. Need to start saying my eyes are not dim, but they're clear and they're sharp. My teeth are good. I have no cavities. They say, well, that's a lie. I've got three or four already. That's okay. Start claiming what the Word says. Calling things that be not, like Romans 4.17 says, call things that be not as though they were, and they will become. When you start speaking them in faith, you will be amazed at what you can do with your tongue. Your tongue is the most powerful member. You can control your whole body with your tongue. And when it comes to finances, many people are constantly claiming that I'm poor. I don't have anything. Well, those people will never have anything because they've never learned how to talk or to speak God's Word. If they go around saying I'm poor and I can't do anything, you're right. As long as you say that. Proverbs Proverbs 12, verse 13 says the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered under him. Proverbs sixteen twenty one through 24 says, The sweetness of the lips increase learning. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as honeycomb and sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Now then, think about what these things are saying. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now then, if a man were to uh, confess the wrong things, in fact, there's one other proverb here I'm going to read while I'm here, or one Psalms, I mean. Psalms 101, verse 5 says, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. So your words are very, very important. Just like if you say the wrong things and condemn people with your mouth, you have to be so careful because you will not have good days. Even over in the book of First Peter, the Lord says, Him that will have a long life and see good days must keep his tongue from speaking evil about others. How many people do you know that go around speaking evil about others? Well, if you want to have a good long life, you must learn how to talk. I cannot overemphasize the importance of your tongue. It will put you over in life, it'll make you sick in life, or it'll make you healthy in life. It'll make you rich in life, or it'll make you poor in life. And according to the Word of God, it's all done with your tongue. 
If you start saying these things, they will bring mighty miracles into existence for you. Now then, over in, now we've been in Proverbs for a while, but now then over in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 5, it even prohibits jesting and foolish and silly talking, and it's found right among some of these other uh, very wicked uh, statements here. He's put them right in the middle of fornication, uncleanliness, and filthiness. Now then, jesting here is something uh, that we want to talk about. Too many people say things that uh, are not kind to other people, and they mean these things in jest. Though these are words, and these words cut and they kill, and it causes people to be hurt, so the Lord tells us very clearly that we're not supposed to jest. In other words, far too many Christians do this. But the Lord clearly tells you not to jest. In other words, if you're going to make a compliment to someone, make a nice compliment as a Christian person. Don't make a compliment, don't say something like to a person that's, uh, say someone, especially a lady, or say maybe you got a sister or something, and she's 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight. I have been to several people's homes in my life when a brother would say, Hey, Slim, how are you doing? When he knew his sister was overweight, that's a cutting, jesting remark. And the Lord tells you not to do that. He will hold you accountable for that. Now, jesting... And this witty talking is absolutely not to be done among Christians. In fact, it would be very wise, more than likely, if we would learn to keep our tongue silent a lot more than we do. Because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, the Word of God says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatsoever is more than this comes from evil. So if you're saying too many things, chances are the devil is controlling your tongue. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Let your words be few. Does that say anything to you? I'm going to tell you, whoever said that talking made you important, I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing what happens here, because talking is not what makes you important. Who wants to hear someone talk all the time that don't have anything to say? What is wrong with silence? Conquer silence and then come out speaking God's word. When you get the word of God hidden in your heart, go home, be silent, take the word of God and read the word. Let the word of God come out of your mouth and as it comes out of your mouth and vibrates on your eardrums and penetrates into your brain and goes down into your spirit, it will change you in such a tremendous way that after you get God's word in you, you'll come out speaking life and victory in Jesus. Then your yes will mean yes and your no will mean no. And when you hear persons or anyone speak that's speaking the word of God, you will know that they have the word of God hidden in their heart and they will not speak these devastating things and they will not destroy themselves with their tongue. Now, that is very, very important because far too many people today in the church are destroying themselves with their tongue. You just start listening to people talk, and you will realize how many people are destroying themselves with their very tongue.
Now then, I want to take you to the Word of God, back to the Old Testament, and I want to show you or read you a story out of the Old Testament that deals with words. And I want to show you how important these words are. Now, in 1 Samuel 17, first of all, we see two armies facing each other uh, out here in the valley between Israel, and one side is the Philistines and the Israels on the other. Now, every day there was this giant guy, and his name was Goliath, and the Bible says this guy is a champion of the Philistines. He was about 10 feet tall. He had a helmet of brass and a coat that covered him that was made out of brass, and this thing must have weighed 150 pounds, a spear which weighed about 19 pounds, and, and he had a man to hold his shield. Now, this guy was a giant of a man. Now, I can only imagine a man 10 feet tall with all this brass and stuff on him. And this guy, we see that this giant Goliath would come out every day and speak words. He was able to absolutely put fear into the heart of the armies of God with words. Now, then, I think about what this guy is doing here now. He's just like the devil today. He's doing us the same way. The devil puts fear in our heart with sickness, disease, and everything else. And we don't know who he is, so we allow this beast to beat up on us. But he says there in verse 10, I defy the armies of Israel this day. And then he goes on and says, When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So this was a setting. The armies of God were paralyzed by the words of this giant. Now, God needed a man who was filled with his word to go against Goliath. And that's the thing today. We have to have a man that knows the word of God to go against the devil and to fight the battles for us. So, they didn't have anybody. So, they were just being beat up on. So, David, the Lord had to bring a little bitty shepherd boy out, so he sent him out there with some groceries, uh, some food for his brothers. And when David arrived on the scene, the giant came out again as David talked with his brothers. And in verse 23, it says that the giant spoke according to the same words, and David heard them. God's man, a faith-filled man, is now on the scene. Well, what makes the difference in David's life? The answer is this. While David was out there with the sheep, David was playing his harp and singing the psalms. He was keeping the sheep, and he was practicing the word of God. He was speaking to himself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And as he was doing this, David had built him up, himself up into the word of God by the Holy Ghost. Now then, faith comes by hearing. Now that's in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And as David would continue to sing these psalms every day, he's speaking God's word. So, when David was out there and he heard the words of Goliath, he would not accept them. These words could not enter his heart because God's word was in his heart. The words of unbelief just bounced off of David. He would not accept them or the fear that this beast, this giant, was trying to put into his heart. Now, remember, all these days, Saul and his whole army were terrified by Goliath. The word of God in your heart is your protection against the giant attacks of Satan. You must know that you have authority over Satan in the name of Jesus. But unless you know, unless you know that in your heart, 
that you have authority over the devil in the name of Jesus, you will become fearful also. And today, I don't know a handful of people that knows the scriptures that guarantees our Jesus came and destroyed the works of the devil, completely stripped him of all of his power and armament, and gave us all that power. But he did. Now then, if and that's, of course, if, for those scriptures in 1 John 3, 8, Hebrews 2, 14, Colossians 2, 15, and Luke 10, 19, and 20 clearly tells us that our Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, defeated him who had the power of death, disarmed him and spoiled him and triumphed over him completely in the cross, and then turned and gave you and me complete power and authority over the devil and said he would in no wise hurt us. But we don't speak God's word. We were just like this army of Israel. We don't know who we are today, and we speak the wrong things. When the devil throws his black mantle over one of us and begins to put pains and symptoms upon us, we immediately fall to his temptations. Immediately, we want some help. We go to a doctor or whatever. And as we go to a doctor and call upon doctors, doctors are there for one thing, and that's to get your money. You can go to a hospital for a few days and spend ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars and absolutely come out no better than when you went in. When people say, "But doctors are of God," I'm going to tell you I don't see anything in the medical profession that's of God. God is here to give you abundant life, and I'm telling you, only thing happens when you go to a doctor today is they get your money. And when you can go into a hospital and a doctor can take you for ten or $20,000 for one surgery or maybe $50,000 for one surgery in one day, that is not God's way of doing things. That's a devil. If those people were of God, they wouldn't be charging you ten, twenty, and $30,000 to do a surgery on you. They'd be treating you with love and respect and helping you out for a reasonable cost. So I'm telling you, I'm down on the devil's empire. And it's time the people learn how to talk. They take the word of God and come against the devil. And you don't need health insurance if you believe God's word. If you walk in faith, you don't need it. You can beat the devil. But you walk holy before God and you learn who you are and you learn to speak words of faith. You can kick the devil out of your life and you don't have to be sick. I have walked in this for the last 20 years. I have absolutely no such thing as insurance. I don't believe in it, and I ain't been to a doctor in 20 years, and I've had several different injuries and things, but I have totally trusted God, and he has come through for me every time, and he's done it in a wonderful way, and I've got it all done by speaking the truth from the Word of God. I mean, God is awesome. We ought to call on him whenever we need him and not let the devil beat up on us. But you'll never do it if you don't learn how to speak God's word. Now, David, think about what David did now. David went out there and he started saying the right things. First thing David said is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he's coming against the Lord's army? In other words, they they just couldn't grasp what he was saying. But David, he had no doubt or fear that God would not fail to back him up. He remembered the victories in his life, and he reported about the lion and the bear that came to steal a lion. David said, I went out after that lion, and I took the lamb out of his mouth. And when the lion turned on me, I caught him by the beard and slew him. I slew also the bear. 
and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Now, the very first thing David did was he spoke it. He spoke his victory right there. Mark 11:23 says, if you can say it, you can have it. Now, I realize that lots of people today don't believe these mighty promises. But Jesus in the New Covenant, especially in scriptures like Mark 11:23 and 24, he clearly says you can have anything you can believe, anything you can say and confess with your mouth, you will have it. He's given us a blank check. So don't be like this army of Israel and don't that believe that you can do something. Begin to believe in the new covenant that all things are yours. Now then, whenever David had this showdown with his giant, this giant laughed at David, and he was insulted that they should send a mere boy with a slingshot to fight him. Goliath made one good confession. They said, but it was the last one he made. On the other hand, we see that David overcame Goliath's confession, and he made statements of his own. This look what David said. David said to the Philistine, this uncircumcised giant, he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hands, and I will smite you, and I will take your head off from you, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now then, you think about what David was saying. David was saying the right thing. Now, if words... We'll do that because David went right in there, took his slingshot, and he flung that rock, and it hit that giant in the only unprotected area on his entire body, right between his eyes, and it killed him. And David cut his head off and slew that giant that day. The victory was won when David spoke it. Another tremendous story in the Old Testament is in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when the king said, if you three boys don't bow down and worship my idol, I will put you in the fiery furnace. But those boys clearly said in Daniel chapter 3, O king, if it be so that you throw us in the fiery furnace, let it be known that we will not bow down and worship your God, but our God is well able and he will deliver us through that fire. He is able and he will. Now, you've got to remember, our God is a faith God. And he demands that you trust him. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted him. Now, they said, if you put us in that fiery furnace, our God will deliver us. He is well able and he will. But they turned and said, but if not, now what they're saying there, if not, you do not throw us in the fiery furnace. He's, they're not, he's not saying that if God don't deliver us, because they know he's going to deliver them. But he said, if not, you don't throw us in the furnace. We still will not bow down and worship your God. Now, I've heard a lot of people say there that they're saying that if God does not deliver them, they still will not bow down and worship. But let me tell you, folks, if God does not deliver these boys and they're thrown in the fiery furnace, they're definitely not going to be down, 
they're not going to be able to bow down and worship any god because they're going to be a crispy critter. They're going to be burned to ashes. That's not what that says. They knew and they said with their mouth that our God is well able and he will deliver us through that fire. And he did. But see, God is a faith God. Daniel in the lions did. He said that God I serve will send his angel and he will shut the mouth of the lions. You see, we control the environment, the circumstances of our life with our tongue speaking the words of God. When you learn how to talk, you'll learn how to walk in health. You'll learn how to walk in prosperity. You'll learn how to walk in power over the devil. You will learn how to control the elements. You'll be able to stop the hail that comes to your house. Now then, make sure you're walking holy before God. Don't do these things or don't even attempt to do these things if you're living in sin. Because if you're living in some kind of sin, you're living in the devil's camp. And the devil come to kill, steal, and to destroy. So your tongue will work for you provided you're walking holy before God. So when you're walking holy before God, you can rebuke a tornado and it will not destroy your property. You can rebuke the enemy which sends hail and destruction because anything killing, stealing, and destroying comes from the devil. Anything that's life and life abundantly is comes from God. So begin to learn where that dividing line is. Anything that's life and life abundant comes from God. Anything that's killing, stealing, and destroying comes from the devil. And if you'll walk holy before God and walk under his camp, under his protection, you will have authority over everything the devil throws against you. You don't have to be sick no more. You won't be sick unless you confess it. You don't have to have things tore up unless you confess it. You don't have to be poor unless you confess it. But your miracle is in your mouth. And to speak it in faith will bring the king of the universe and his entire uh, arsenal of angels and Holy Spirit and everything on the scene to bring forth your miracle. So whatever you do, learn to talk the word of God. Now then, the best thing you can do is lock yourself up somewhere with the Word of God and start reading it and meditating on it and hiding these mighty promises in your heart. And if you will, you will learn great and awesome principles, I'm trying to say, great and awesome principles. And these principles will bring God on the scene for you. And he clearly says in the New Testament, if you can believe, nothing shall be impossible with you. And you will bring all that on the scene with spoken words from the Word of God. Praise the King. Now then, right here, I want to take you to a place over in Proverbs chapter 4. I want us to hear some of the things that's important about the Word. Proverbs Chapter 4, starting with verse 10, says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. Now, these words that God's telling us to listen to are his words. In other words, his sayings are his words. And he said, if we receive those sayings or those words, the years of our life shall be many. But if you don't receive these sayings and are not obedient to these words that are spoken by God, 
That's the most powerful thing he has, too, is his words. Then if you don't receive his sayings, then the years of your life will not be many. They will be short. But the Lord says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you goest, your steps shall not be straightened, and when you runnest, I shall not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Now, far too many people, young and old today, get off on these paths of the wicked, and they go the way of evil men. The Lord clearly says in Proverbs 4.15, Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. It says, For they, the wicked people, sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause someone to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. <clears throat> but the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. Then listen to these words right here, how important it is to pay attention to God's word. In Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings, or unto my words. And let them, my words or my saying, not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. <clears throat> For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Now words, who would ever dream that words were that important, that words could be, uh, if you attend to them, that words, if you keep them, like the Lord says, that they are life, life, life to those that find them, and health to all of your flesh. He says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from you a forward mouth. Isn't it amazing how important the mouth or the tongue is? The very next part of that verse 24 says, After put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from you. Let thine eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. You cannot live in the world and get the Lord to answer your prayer. Now, too many people come to church once in a while or have walked down that aisle and say, Well, once saved, always saved, Jesus is my Savior. And then they go out the rest of their life and live like the devil. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a rude awakening at the end of your life. And it may not be too long. It may be shorter than you think. But you don't want to go there. You absolutely do not want to go there. You want to be able to make sure that you're reading the Word and you're listening to the Word and you know what the Word says. The Word says after you put from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips <clears throat> and let your eyes look right on, he says, ponder the path of your feet and let all thy ways be established. Verse 27 says, turn not to the right hand nor to the left, but remove your foot from evil. 
In other words, if you're messed up in some kind of an evil something, and a lot of people don't think that whenever they're living with someone out of wedlock or they're lying a little bit once in a while or stealing from their company, maybe it's just pencils or a Coke, they don't see that as evil ways. But God said it is. The Lord tells you, he says, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow your ear to my understandings that you mayest regard discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman or a prostitute, they're as honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Just think how smooth her kisses are. But he says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, and her steps take hold on hell. Let Lest thou shouldest ponder the paths of life, let her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Here we are, the words of his mouth. Remove your ways far from her, or the prostitute, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest I give thy honor unto others, and your years unto the cruel. You know what that means? When you give your honor unto others, and your years unto the cruel, and when you visit the house of a prostitute, you open the door to a devil. And your years unto the cruel, the cruel one is the devil and his demons. So if you get involved with sexual immorality, right here you'll see in Proverbs 5, 9, you will give your honor unto others, and you will give your years unto the cruel or the devil. The devil and his demons will torment you, and they will come into your life, and your life will be miserable. He says, unless strangers be filled with your wealth, and your labors be in the house of a stranger, but that and that mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And listen to what he's saying there. In other words, you're going to come down with some kind of sickness or some kind of disease, some kind of venereal disease, because you hung out with a prostitute, and in your later years, your flesh and your body are consumed. Wow, is that true? He's talking about what happens here when you get into sexual sin, and people have listened, and they've made the wrong statements with their mouth, and they've got involved with people. And there is people out there that will even take their mouth and do wickedness and uncleanliness. And they will do things with their mouth that's so unclean I wouldn't even begin to talk about them on this, on this uh, tape. But those things that they do that are so unclean, it will bring forth unclean spirits. And he says and they will cause your flesh and your body to be consumed as you go into years. In other words, it's people that get AIDS from the things they do. It's people that get venereal diseases. And they get all kinds of diseases. And those diseases, some of them, those venereal diseases, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what those things do and how they destroy people. It says, And they have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined your ear to them that instructed me. Hmm, isn't that amazing? Whenever we get a hold of these things 
And what this does to us, it will totally, totally, totally change what comes out of your mouth. Everybody needs to be careful what they speak. Now then, the promises of God, if you will walk in obedience to his word, and you'll do what the king says, you will be able to see some of these great and mighty promises that he says are ours. And how do we make these promises come to pass for us? Number one, we have to not do these bad things that Proverbs 4 and 5 told us not to do. We're to stay away from the evil one. We're to stay away from the prostitutes. We're to stay away from all forms of evil and wickedness. We're to walk the straight path. And then you have to learn how to talk. And if you'll learn how to talk and let the words of God be in your mouth because the Lord watches over His Word to perform His Word. Now, you want to see God do some wonderful things? You make sure that you have repented of all your sins. You come to the Lord as a clean, pure vessel that you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ because you've been made, according to 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 21, you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So you are righteous. Make sure that every sin is repented of and that you're walking holy in obedience to God's mighty word. Make sure you're going to church. Make sure you're tithing. Make sure you're walking in love. Make sure you're giving no place to the devil. Make sure you're not holding any grudge toward anyone. No unforgiveness. And you're not talking evil about anyone. And that you're praying for all people, even your enemies. And you love those that despitefully use you. If you will meet all of that criteria, and then you will learn how to talk, you will begin to see God do some of the most awesome things you can imagine. Now we're going to go to the scripture, and I'm going to show you some of the things that God says you can speak out of your mouth if you can believe the word of the living God. The most devastating thing out there today is that double-minded spirit. Far too many people have that double-minded spirit, and you have to get rid of that thing. The only way to get rid of that double-minded spirit is to begin to fill your heart and your mind with the word of the living God. And I'm telling you, that's the only way to bring faith, and that's with the word of the living God. Now then, I want to go to Matthew 7, 7, and I want to show you some of the great and awesome promises that the Lord has provided for us. In Matthew 7, 7, the Lord says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone, not some of us, everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now then, verse 9, he says, Or what man is there of you, when if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Now think about this. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him, uh, if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? In verse 11, he says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And in verse 12, think about this. Therefore, all things whatsoever you should, you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law of the prophets. 
Now then, that that's telling us exactly what we need to do for all things whatsoever you would or that you want men to do to you, you should do even so to them. So if you walk in love, if you want men to love you, that means you've got to walk in love. It's not a uh, one-way street. It's a two-way street. Whatever you want people to do to you, that's what you've got to do. And that, if you, that's why it's so important with your tongue that you learn to say the right things. You never talk evil about someone. If you do, people's going to talk evil about you. So these promises, when you ask with your tongue these mighty things in faith, you'll see God do some great and mighty things in your life. Now let's go to another one of these promises that's ours. Okay, let's go on over to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, here we want to see something here. A man that uh, came to Jesus and wanted him to come to his home. Uh, he says, my servant, actually didn't want him to come to his home. He said, my servant, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. But the man said, I'm not worthy for you even come under my roof. And as he was saying that if you'll just say the word, I know that he will be healed. And Jesus said unto him, he says, I have not found, yes, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, if there's anything that moves the hand of the king to get mighty miracles done, it's what you say with your mouth. And this man said with his mouth, and it caused Jesus to realize he was a man of great faith. And as the man said what he wanted, and believed with his heart as he spoke it, Jesus in Matthew eight thirteen said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And the man's servant was healed that same hour. Now, that's what moves the hand of the king. Faith. And how do you express your faith? With your words. The king is impressed with your words. If you're not willing to speak words of faith or words of the Word of God, you will not see the king do very many awesome, wonderful things for you. Now, it is very important that you speak the Word of God. The Lord says he watches over his word to perform his word. If you're not willing to speak the word and do it in faith, then you won't get to see the Lord do very many wonderful things. Whatever you do, learn to speak the Word of God. And when you speak it, speak it in authority and faith if you want to see God move and do some wonderful things for you. Let's go on down here a little further uh, in the Scriptures in Matthew 8. And I want to show you something else that the Lord did. Uh, as uh, they were coming to Him uh, in verse 24, that there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And verse 26, Jesus said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, Think about this great promise. Jesus is trying to tell these men, why are you fearful? You have so little faith. He arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
How did he do that? With his tongue. When he rebuked the winds and the sea, he spoke to this. And then the disciples were so marveled, they said, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What the Lord's trying to tell us there as his sons, when we become children of the Most High God, this same power is inside us. We can speak to a storm. We can speak to the winds and the waves. And if you do it in faith, it will obey you. Now, this is an awesome thing to learn. But this is the kind of power and authority that Jesus has given to us as sons of God. Yes, we can speak and do these great and mighty things. We can see the Lord deliver people, heal people, and everything. And how do you get it done? You get it done with words speaking the word of the living God. Also over here in Matthew 9:27, let's go over here a minute. Let's look at this. In Matthew 9:27, it says, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I am able to do this for you? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord, we believe you can. So then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done unto you. Now think about this. The Lord is only going to do for us according to our faith. He is a faith God. If we don't believe we can do anything wonderful and mighty, he's not going to do anything for us. But if we believe that there's no limit of what will come to pass when we say it, it will come to pass. Just think of the wonderful things that Jesus said that we can do. And when you get a hold of this, you have to realize that with your tongue, you're going to speak all these things into existence. Because even on Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his disciples to him and he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, how were they going to get this done? By speaking words. Your tongue is the most important, most powerful thing in your body. After Jesus, he gave all of us power against unclean spirits. All of us can cast out unclean spirits. He's made us these promises. Now, these 12 men, he told who they were, and he gave them a set of instructions. And he says, but you stay to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You don't go out into the world. You just stay in, in uh, Israel, and you do what I'm telling you. And he says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And these are the things you are to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, so freely give this power away. Now then, think about that. He's given us that awesome power and authority to go out and do these things. And we can't even seem to stay well in the church ourselves. So when we see what God has provided, it's absolutely amazing what he's told us we can do in the Word of God. Now, right here in Matthew, here's another tremendous promise in Matthew, or statement in Matthew eight sixteen and 17. It says, When the evening was come, they brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils or demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word. See, words, this is the way it all happens. And then he healed all that were sick, 
Jesus came and he had to cast out the devils. And that's what we have to do. We have to take his word. We have to speak his word out of our mouth with our tongue. And then we can heal all the sick. And he said he did it to fulfill which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities or our weakness and bare our sicknesses. Now let me tell you. If Jesus took your infirmities and he bare your sickness, then there's not any use for you and Jesus both to have them. He did not plan for his body to be sick on this earth. It's amazing. It took me a lot of years to realize that the most powerful thing I had was the tongue in my mouth. And if I received Jesus as my healer, and I believe that with my heart, just exactly like Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10 says, that's the same way I received Jesus as my Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart. Well, when I learned that Jesus not only bore my sin on the cross, but he bore my sickness and disease, just like he said here in Matthew 8, 17, that with his stripes I was healed because he bore my sickness, then I can take the word of God and I can take my mouth and I can resist the devil. Just exactly like James 4, 7 says, the Lord says, submit yourself to God. That means you've got to walk in obedience to his word. You've got to walk in love. You've got to do what he says. You can't hold any grudges. You can't speak evil about people. You have to believe the word of the living God. If you will take the word of the living God and confess it and believe it, then you can receive Jesus as your healer and you can resist the devil with his word through your tongue, just like Jesus did when he was here. He cast out the devil or the evil spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Now, you will be able to do the same thing if you'll just believe this with no doubt in your heart. Now then, let's go back over here to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 and 20, and let's see what this says. In Matthew 17, the disciples came to Jesus after they couldn't heal or deliver a young man that had an evil spirit, and they asked the question, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Now that's what's wrong with us in the church today. We do not believe these mighty promises that God made us in his word. Unbelief, you're going to have to get rid of that double-minded spirit, that spirit of schizophrenia, that spirit of double-mindedness, that unbelief. Because Jesus clearly said in Matthew 17, 20, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, just as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But he says, nothing shall be impossible with you. But he says, to get there, this kind of unbelief and this kind of evil spirit goes out by prayer and fasting. Now, if you've not spent any time with God in prayer and fasting, that's why you can't get anywhere with these spirits. You're going to have to do it God's way. If you're not studying the Word, now you can study the Word without fasting, but you need to pray over the Word, and then you need to study the Word. And then after you begin to read and study the Word, then if you'll go into a fast, if you will fast and then pray and study God's Word, you'll be amazed at the results it will bring. It'll give you power 
over evil spirits. And you'll begin to see God do great and mighty things, and life will become fun. I know. I have experienced these wonderful things. Okay, now I want to take you to Matthew uh, 21. We're going to go there. And again, let's see these mighty promises that we make with our tongue. Jesus has given us an example of Matthew 17, uh, uh, 20. Uh, in fact, uh, 19, Matthew 21, 19. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, and he found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto the fig tree, Let no fruit grow on you henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily or truly, I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not. Now, think about what he's saying. If you believe the Word of God, the things that are written in this book, if you have faith, that's how you express faith, is by quoting the Word of God. And he don't, and you do not doubt that God can do what he said he could do. He said, you shall not only do that which is done to the fig tree. In other words, you can speak, speak to a fig tree, you can make it die too. But he says, that's minor. But also, if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. That is a blank check if I ever seen it. All we got to do is say something in faith. Your tongue is the most powerful thing in your body. You say something in faith, I guarantee it will come to pass. If you have this kind of power, Jesus said you have this kind of power. And he says in Matthew seventeen twenty one, you can not only speak to a fig tree and make the fig tree die, but you can speak to a mountain. Now then, anything else that you want to speak to, if you speak to it in faith, you can do it. Ask the Lord for everything. Doubt nothing. Believe that he can do anything and believe that it will happen when you speak it in faith. So say things in faith. Speak the word of God. Pray over everything and don't doubt. I mean everything you do. Don't you dare sit down and drink a drink of water without praying over it. Don't drink or eat anything without praying over it. Do everything in prayer and supplication. I mean, when you get up in the morning, the first thing you should do is begin to praise the Lord. I mean, praise Him and worship Him and thank Him. Drive down the road with at least one hand raised, praising the King, telling Him how much you love Him, how much you thank Him for giving you all things. These things belong to you. Look what the Lord said we can do. We can speak to a mountain. That's words out of your mouth. You speak to it. And that mountain will obey you. Start thinking like God. If your Jesus is not very big, then you need to get rid of the one you got and get the one I got. The one I got is a big Jesus. He created the universe. He maintains the galaxies every day with his mighty spoken word. The Jesus I serve, nothing is impossible with him. So just think of these promises, what he said we can do. Now you remember... He said, we can speak to the mountain. We can speak to the fig tree. 
So you can speak to anything and see God do great and awesome things when you speak in faith. So start doing some things in faith. Watch what you say. Make sure you control every word that comes out of your mouth that it might bring glory and honor to the Father. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now let's go to another promise here in Matthew 28. Now then I'm going to show you right here from the Word of God where it clearly says that even after these men had seen Jesus, walked with Him, talked with Him, seen Him crucified, seen Him resurrected, and now then they see Him in Matthew 28. It starts in verse, uh, uh, let's see, where were 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. It just never ceases to amaze me that how you could have walked with Jesus three years and seen him do the things you saw him do. And then you saw him put on that cross and nailed to it. You saw him die. You saw that soldier run that spear through his side. You saw him taken down off that cross. You knew he was dead. You saw that stiff, that body getting stiff. You saw them wrap him in the linen. You saw them put him in the tomb. And here, a few days later, here he is standing on the mountain. And he's perfectly normal and perfectly well. And his body is completely healed. So many of these people, they bowed down and worshipped the king. But it says, but some doubted. That will show you the power of this double-minded spirit, this demon of unbelief that gets in us. Now then, Jesus turned to these men and said to them in verse 18, Not a little bit of power, not some power, but all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. Where? In heaven and in earth. So everywhere, all power is given to him. So he said, Because all this power is given to me, and now since you're my body and we are one, he said, Go you therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and teach them, the new disciples, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now then, as he commanded the disciples to go forth and do everything he could, had commanded them to do, you remember in uh, Matthew 10, 1, he commanded them to go forth and he commanded them to do great and mighty things. And the, this is what those things were. Now, in Matthew 10, 1, I want to show you the, where the Lord says, When he had gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, he said, verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received freely give now then if he give them that power and he told us that we are to do the same things they did why in the world don't we believe well let me tell you it's because of that demon of unbelief the demon of unbelief that we don't believe this mighty book when we get to the point where we can believe this book we can lay our hands on people we can drive these tormenting spirits out of them after we get them to repent 
We can drive these tormenting spirits out of them. We can lay hands on the sick and would demand sickness and disease leave their body. And you'll see many people miraculously healed. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people healed over the last several years. I've seen the Lord deliver them and do great and mighty things. This book is true. Christians do not have to be sick. It comes down to a choice. If you want to be sick, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to be. I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to show you it's a choice. Listen to what the Word says here. Now, I want you to see right here what the Lord clearly said belongs to us as children. In verse 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. What? All things are ours. Not a few things. All things. He said whether you're Paul or Apollos or Cephas or Peter, are the world... Our life, our death, our things present, our things to come, all are yours. And you're Christ, and Christ is God's. Just think. The world is ours. Life is ours. Death is ours. Things present or things to come, all are yours. Well, let me tell you, before you can have that, you're going to have to learn how to talk. You're going to have to learn how to speak God's Word. When you learn how to speak God's Word... Then these mighty things will come to pass for you. But when you get a hold of the fact that life and death is yours, things present or things that come are all yours, you'll have to start learning to speak life. I don't know how many people I hear say, that just, we just love her to death. We just tickles me to death. Everything we say revolves around death. Why don't we get rid of those kind of things? We're supposed to be children of the light. We're not supposed to be children of darkness. Let's start speaking. That just tickles me to life. I just love my sister to life. I don't love her to death. I love her to life. I want her to live to be an old, 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 healthy woman. That when she's 120, she's still as young as she was when she was 50 or 60. She can run up and down the steps and do all kinds of things. Because in Psalms 103, the Lord says he renews our youth daily like the eagle's. We need to claim those great and mighty promises. We need to stand on the word of the living God with no doubt in our heart. Because as Christians, these are wonderful things that Jesus has done for us. Now let's go to some more scriptures here that show us some of the mighty promises of the living God. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, 19, and 20, I want you to see... Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In other words, he kicked the devil out of heaven, but the devil came to earth. Then the Lord told us in verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on the devil and his demons, or serpents and scorpions, and over all, not some, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Let me let me kind of paraphrase that. Jesus is saying, you don't have to rejoice because the evil spirits are subject unto you, but you should rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This is the most important thing there is. But think, if Jesus, this is a promise. He beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, and then he turns and gives you and me authority or power 
to tread or trample on the devil and his demons and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. Why in the world do so many of us as Christians yield to the devil when he comes to us to put pain upon us, put symptoms upon us, put sickness and disease upon us, cause us to get into a state of depression? Why do we listen to him? Why? When he comes to us to try to get us in a state of rage and anger, why do we listen to that devil? Why can't we listen to the Word of God and walk in love and do everything the Lord says? These are great and mighty and awesome promises that belongs to us. Just think, all power has been given to us over the devil. He has absolutely no power over us, and he has to be subject to us. What does it mean to be subject to you? Well, let me tell you, you turn and tell him where to go after you've made sure that all of your sins are confessed and repented of. When you make sure that all of your sins are repented of, the evil one has no power over you whatsoever, and he has to be subject to you in the name of Jesus, and you can drive that devil out. Every Christian has that kind of power over the devil because Jesus came and defeated him, and I'm going to show you in Colossians chapter 2 what he said. I'm going to go to Colossians 2 and show you what the Lord did for us there. Now, in Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 10, so you have everything when you have Christ. Now then, you have everything. In other words, you're not lacking anything. You have everything when you have Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, everything is yours. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. In other words, He's in you. He's in every fiber of your being. And he is the highest ruler with authority over every other power. When you came to Christ, he set you free from your evil desires, not by a bodily operation of circumcision, but by a spiritual operation, the baptism of your soul. In other words, if you're a born-again Christian, you have power over all evil desires. You don't have to go out and lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery. You have power over that. It says in verse 12, for in baptism you see how your old evil nature died. In other words, that's a picture. When you're submerged in the water, your evil nature died with him. You was buried with him. And when you came up out of the water, you came up out of death with him into a new life because you trusted the word of the mighty God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. But then he gave, he gave you uh, uh, a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He didn't forget part of your sins. He washed away all of your sins. When you come to Christ and got saved, he made you, he justified you. He made you just as if you had never sinned a day in your life. That's how clean your slate was. And he blotted out the charges proved against you, the list of his commandments, which you had not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. In other words, this is the law he's talking about. All of the things that you had been disobedient, all the rules that you had broken, when you come to Christ, he destroyed all that. Everything all of his commandments which you had not obeyed. And none of us had obeyed all of his commandments. Most of us had broke all of them. But 
He took this list of sins. He took this list of sins and he nailed it. In other words, he took this list of sins that he had here, and it's amazing what he did here with that list of sins. Now, as he took this list of sins and blotted out these charges that would prove against you, which is the law, he took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. I think too many Christians are like I was most of my life. I had no idea that the law was absolutely nailed to the cross at it, it, Christ's cross. And, and listen, think about what he did by doing that. By taking the law and destroying it or nailing it to Christ's cross, in this way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. When you get a hold of this, that Satan has no power over you. Whenever you confess your sins and repent of your sins, the devil has no power over you anymore. I mean, he can't accuse you of sin no more because they were washed away by the blood of Jesus. If you sin, immediately repent. And, and as you repent, then rebuke the devil and drive him away, and he can't do anything to you. He even goes so far as to say, don't let anyone criticize you for what you eat or drink. I mean, you're free. You can eat or drink anything you want to. Or for not celebrating Jewish holidays and the feast or new moon ceremonies or even the Sabbath. We're not under any of these regulations. It says, for these were only temporary rules that ended when Christ came. They were only shadows of the real thing of Christ himself. Christ was the real thing, and he's come. So don't let anyone declare you lost when you refuse to worship angels, as they say you must. They have seen a vision, they say, and they know you should. These proud men, though they claim to be so humble, have a very clever imagination. But they are not connected to the Christ like we are, the head to which all of us who are his body are joined. For we are joined together by his strong sinews, and we grow only as we get our nourishment and strength from God. Since we died, as it were, with Christ, and this has set you free from following the world's ideas of how to be saved, by, which is by doing good and obeying various rules, why do you keep right on following them anyway? You're still bound by such rules as not eating some things, tasting some things, or even touching certain foods or things. Such rules are mere human teachings. For food was made to be eaten and used up. These rules may seem good, for rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and hard on the body. But they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. This only makes a man proud. Since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ arose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven, where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. Let heaven and everything about heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our real life, comes back again, we will shine with him and share in all of his glory. Away then with sinful earthly things. 
deaden the evil desires lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't worship the good things of life, for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger is upon all those who do such crazy things. You need to do them. You, you, you used to do them when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to cast off and throw away all these rotten garments of anger, hatred, cursing, and dirty language. Don't tell lies to each other. It was your old life with all its wickedness that did that sort of thing. Now it is dead and gone. You are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and he is equally available to all. Since you have been chosen by God, who has given you this new kind of life, and because of his deep love and concern for you, you should practice tender-hearted mercy and kindness to others. Don't worry about making a good impression on them, but be ready to suffer quietly and patiently. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold a grudge against anyone. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Most of all, let love guide your life, for then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. Harmony. Let the peace of heart that comes from Christ be always present in your hearts and lives, for this is your responsibility and privilege as members of this body. And always be thankful. Remember what Christ taught. Let his words enrich your lives and make you wise. Teach them to each other and sing them out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to the Lord with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And come with him into the presence of God the Father to give him your thanks. Praise God for his many wonderful thanks. When all of this that I just told you soaks into your spirit, you will see yourself in a different light, and the devil will never be able to attack you with sickness and disease again. You will be able to kick him out. He'll never be able to attack you with sin. You'll never yield to sin and rage and anger and immorality and sexual immorality and all those things. You will drive that beast away with the word of the living God. Praise God for these promises. Now we'll go to another section. In Second Peter chapter 1, I want to show you what God has given us. Here again is another scripture, set of scriptures that's so powerful. Second Peter chapter 1, it says that, To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, this should be to the church. He should be talking to everyone. But everyone in the church does not have this kind of precious faith. But we all need this precious faith. How do we get it? Through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. When you get a hold of the fact that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, these things will come a revelation to you. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
according as his divine power has given unto us all things. What? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we don't have to pray for things that pertain unto life and godliness. They've already been given to us by his divine power. But how do we get it? Through the knowledge of the word of God. The, the, through the knowledge of Christ that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these great and precious promises we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Just think what he just said. These great and mighty promises, every Christian has been given everything he needs already it's in this book. All you got to do is read this book and learn it and then act on it and speak it. And you will have this mighty power. It's already yours. You can't pray for it. It's already been given to you. And it's given to you through the knowledge of God. These great and precious promises where we can pray and ask God for virtually anything. He will take away things. He will do great and mighty things for us. He'll help us. He sent angels to watch over us to protect us. And then he says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things that we just said here, all these things, if they be in you and abound... They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to study the Word of God. But he that lacketh these things, if you don't do these things, then he says you're blind. And you cannot see afar off. And you have forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. Wherefore? The brethren, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, the things that we just talked about, you shall never fall. Isn't that amazing? We shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you do all those things... Jesus is going to personally escort you into the kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now then, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Just think, if we don't have somebody constantly, constantly telling us about these great and awesome promises... We will fall because we will get out into the world. The devil will draw us out into the world. And we'll get out there in the world and we'll start thinking about the things of the world. And we'll be so con become so concerned and so caught up in the things of the world, we will forget that all things that pertain unto life and godliness and all power over the enemy... And all power over sin and sickness and disease is ours. All we got to do is walk in obedience to the word, not sin, die to sin. Because that's what we are. We are dead to sin. Dead to sin. So therefore we should live unto righteousness. 
And then the Word of God tells us in 1 John 5.18, the true children of God do not sin. Now, what that really means is we do not practice sinning. Every once in a while, that devil will tempt us along with the flesh and draw us off. But when he does, immediately repent of your sin and be restored to fellowship so you will not have to worry about your prayers being hindered. Walk holy before God. Walk in obedience to His Word. And when you do that, the Word of God says that you keep yourselves from evil in 1 John 5.18. And if you keep yourselves from evil, the evil one can not touch you. That's the devil. And the devil is where all sickness and disease and all sin comes from. So if you will remember these things and walk holy before God and capture every thought and even cast down even the imagination of every thought that does not meet the requirements of the Savior, you will never fall in your walk with Christ. But it will be a struggle, but you can do it. But you'll have to do it by learning how to speak the Word of God. Praise the King of the universe for what He's done. Everything belongs to us as children of God. As you study the Word and as you read it, may you be as blessed as I have been in my service to the King of the universe. May He bless you in everything you do when you realize that you, as a son of God or a daughter of the God, all things are yours. Praise the King.